All right. Trees and the leaves coming false out and changing the seasons Was watching the sunset, the beauty was fleeting I sensed it was ending, I cherished that evening I wish you could stay, I wish you would need me This world got a way of just keeping you seeking I walked away first so that you couldn't leave me I bent over backwards to make it look easy The pictures I posted so very deceiving Reality's lonely, I've got good at dreaming With everyone rushing and going and leaving We living so fluid, our moments are streaming The story of my life ain't no story worth reading The deeper I dive in, the less I see meaning The shiny facade of these lives that we leading So empty inside, just some internal bleeding so give me a call, just give me a reason I'm staying so patient, no waiting this meeting with you Yes, it's true Sometimes I sit back, wonder Sometimes by Will Oakley, you just listen to, unless you just uh, skip the first three minutes because you didn't want to listen to a full song. That's right. I know you did it. If you did, if you did, like, like, what's three minutes gonna do to a, a three-hour? 
podcast. Like, I know you're here for the talking, but like, it's just three minutes, 35, 34 seconds or something. No, I'm just kidding. I'd be crazy to expect you to listen to the whole thing. Like, who would, who would want, who would want to be doing that? By the way, on the topic of expectations, podcasting is an interesting thing here. While, while podcasting, you know, is pretty easy to just record and uh, make something. Um, the expectations, like I can have no expectations, but speak with as if I had all the expectations in the world. Because no one, you know, no one's gonna know anything unless they're listening to this. So if you're listening to this, you know, like I can say like anything. I like. I just assume I have your attention. So it's not like I have some expectation that uh, people are going to be listening to everything. But uh, if you're listening to what I'm saying right now, then I have your attention. So I might as well uh, talk. (laughs) But yeah, this is uh, Will Oakley, the conversation with Will Oakley, who um, just released an EP on Spotify called Sometimes. That was the, uh, the song Sometimes. Which is spelled one word, the song is, but the the single's title, the EP's title is Some Space Times. That's that's interesting. Didn't get a chance to ask Will about that. That might have been good. But we still did have a, a pretty cool conversation. And his music's great. I've been listening to it a lot, especially sometimes putting this together. And I kind of... Yes, did insult it by just putting my all right, you know, like all right thing in the beginning. I was considering making that a sound bite or a little trademark thing to let you know what you're listening to, even though, you know, you, uh, <clears throat> you chose it. Yeah, I'm drinking water, drinking water too. Clear my throat. Sorry if that disrupts the flow, but, um, Anyway, Will Oakley, great, great song. Great, um, the other songs, too. Uh, what was it? I Wonder, yeah. I Wonder and How It Ends, which is great title for a song. I know Will says How It Ends a lot. It's like a pin or something. I'm thinking that a lot, too. I'm wondering how it's going to end, but not to be too pessimistic. Okay, um, I wanted to make some address address uh last episode there was an instance i went to pee outside just to let you know it was dark outside in the backyard i wasn't just peeing in the middle of the neighborhood for everyone to see you know i just wanted to save some water not flush the toilet and you know i had hand hand sanitizer handy as uh as one does these days not that i have to but like it's just been a lot of hand sanitizer around the house in this episode there's one instance where i say screen but it sounds like scream so just in case you get confused um and in this episode we also address current events which is hard not to it was recorded on last sunday so definitely like i'm sure you know these thoughts are probably even dated you know by a week so much happens i know i my thinking's been changing a lot like the more you know we see and the more protests there are the more people are kind of developing further ideas about things so i feel like there's probably there's an instance where i'm talking about like all cops are bastards in this and that was just a phrase i had not been familiar with 
now I am much more familiar with and like feel like I understand the context a lot better and like you know it's it's an interesting thing there's a lot to talk about maybe we'll talk about it um in the next interview probably like all these current events probably be talking more about it but this conversation with will we just talked a little bit about it i just was just like probably just thinking about like some kid whose parents a cop and just hearing everyone say all the cops are bastards and the kid being like how's my mother a bastard you know if like that you know just happens to be the child of like a police woman instead of a policeman just to be like no, didn't see that coming but you know um <clears throat> anyway yeah so my thinking on that is definitely not probably exactly what you hear because i hadn't had any like solid thoughts on it anyway to begin with but i think we're all trying i mean i'm trying and i think it's that that's another thing i was thinking about like how it's like good to talk about when when people when people like definitely you know their minds are changing a lot and they're learning and trying to become more enlightened or trying to like you know just educate themselves further on like I don't know, the systemic racism and the implicit racism of our, like, as white people, just, I don't know, it's a lot to talk about. I won't, I won't be talking too much about this. Um, yeah, I also want to say there's some terrible audio on this uh, recording. Sorry about that. Still working out the kinks, as they say. There was one point where I'm just touching the microphone on my computer a lot, but I'm really just trying to clean my computer screen for some reason, and it's just it's 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 just like muffled sound sometimes. And I went back and was listening to it as I was putting it together. I'm just like that's awful, but I don't know how to like this isn't very advanced stuff I'm working with, so I'm sorry. I just left it in because I like the conversation, but I'm sorry now I know not to touch my computer near the mic and disrupt the conversation okay <clears throat> and uh yeah plenty of that plenty of me probably interrupting will try it i don't listen to the whole thing because it's awful to like listen to your own voice and you just like know like every little instance you're like oh my idea it says but um yeah so i haven't listened to all of it there might be like even worse audio at some points so uh if anyone like has any feedback, be free to tell me. I mean, I'd love to hear, you know, little things that I might have forgotten about with the podcast or haven't noticed. <clears throat> anyway, overall, really fun conversation with Will. Definitely talked about a lot of things. Taught me a little bit about sleep, even though I feel like we're all thinking about sleep a lot. Sometimes, at least at Kenyon College, you know. Talking about sleep's a hot topic now. I feel like I'm a little more wary of the sleep I'm getting from talking to Will, so that's nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm also this is this is where I'm gonna say uh, I'm testing out. Obviously, I'm testing out different ways of doing this podcast, and uh, well, I had to prepare some notes because I was like thinking I might say a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> So two of the two of my favorite podcasts are like Joe Rogan's and Mark Maron's, and they both definitely have different approaches. Joe Rogan just gets right into it, delivers the conversation right away. At least his his you know most recent ones in his most recent years, he just gets right into the conversation and it doesn't stop. Mark Maron he introduces like what I'm doing right now. Obviously, I've chosen the Mark Maron <coughs> route. 
Um, he just talks a lot about himself, honestly. Really, just like a lot about his life, though. And, you know, I'm, I definitely skip that a lot of the time. I'm just like, let's get to the conversation. So I encourage you to, if you are listening to this and uh, want to skip ahead to the conversation, don't blame it. Go right ahead. <laughs> That's what you clicked on. Uh, probably expecting to listen to a conversation. So, you know, it makes sense. Um, but so I'm going to just do the Mark Marin one this time, test it out and try and talk about this podcast like, because as I'm doing it, I, I waited like a whole week to put this out there because I wanted to do some sort of like address kind of intro to work out like possibilities with this kind of uh, this like form of like doing something. I don't know, doing a podcast, a strange idea, because I'm thinking a lot about transparency, because I think I mentioned this with Ben on the first one. At least we were talking about it. The the book, The Circle, I remember this book very distinctly because it's all about, <clears throat> it was like the uh, it, brave new world of like our time, kind of like uh, the dystopian future that's not so far away. Um, in, in The Circle, there's a company that like encourages, it's like all the major Google, Twitter things put together, Instagram, and encourages like total transparency. The main character works for the company and towards the end of it, she starts... She, she has, like, a, a camera on her at all time, and the goal of, like, ultimate transparency, she kind of becomes a celebrity for just filming her entire life and just, like, like she's, like, an influencer kind of like that for just, like, constantly being filmed and just putting her whole life out there. So I'm, like, thinking a lot about transparency, and I want that to be, like, a guiding rule, like, just to be wary of becoming too transparent because there are some things I want to talk about and, like, share like things I feel like are worth sharing to anyone who listen, but the, and then there are things where it's just like, how much, how much am I going to talk about myself, and how much is that like going to bother me? So right now I'm going to try and not talk about myself, but also, but still talk about what I'm thinking about, like just like maybe things to share, just maybe like things I've been thinking about and feel like are worth sharing that I've been, you know paying attention to recently <clears throat> so um so uh <laughs> this is this is the first silence uh, this this is a tough thing about podcasting especially if i'm trying to look down at notes to pick up um the uh there there's like a stretch of no talking and it's like how do i keep talking how do i keep going keep keep things interesting no you, you can't make everything interesting all the time especially starting something it's just there's gonna be some empty spots and for that i apologize there's one thing um i wanted to mention maybe about the previous no i think i said all of it actually most of it. Okay, yeah, so if you don't want to listen to me, I'm about to talk a little bit about the podcast and, like, current events of, like, just my interpretation of, like, not even interpretation, just my observation a little bit about current events. And um, if you don't want to listen, just go on your timeline of audio and just go ahead of this point. And somewhere, yeah, you'll find, you'll find 
more than one person talking. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's hard not to be uh, thinking about activism. That's that's my note. Activism. That's where I'm going to start. But that, uh, it's just definitely been on my mind a lot. I, I go I go on to, uh, um, I'll go on to Instagram. And it's just, it dominates Instagram. Everyone knows this. It's not, I'm not even telling you, like, I mean, most people are on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, it is curious to think of, like, what what, what are you doing? Honestly, no, but no, I'm not to, not to encourage Instagram. Honestly, I feel like it's disturbing. But it is a good source of information for the most part right now. But I'm, I go on there thinking, like, I don't want to just, like, uh, you know, share through Instagram. Like, I don't, I've always been... It's it's because of the same transparency principle. I've just been like, eh, on the idea of Instagram, kind of creeped out by it a little bit, and just yeah, I'm probably gonna promote this episode on Instagram though, which is ironic because that's like the first like I just do yeah, maybe we should get it to people to listen to, and how are you gonna do that? It's like easiest through Instagram. <clears throat> but anyway, like the general energy, which is. Yeah, which is pretty cool going around. What? Okay, not pretty cool. Just like there's there's this energy going around white America, at least with white liberal America, um, encouraging, like to support. Well, not only like black owned businesses and everything, but to support, uh, uh, um, you know, black artists or just like go back and, you know, uh, watching a lot of cool documentaries. By the way, I would like. Definitely recommend the thirteenth on Netflix. <laughs> this is this is the bit. This is the one. I I rewatched it the other day, and it's just like yeah. This of course is like I love. Okay, I love narrative films and the power of all that. Like I'm all about that. But like documentaries as a uh, information information uh, source can uh, you know they're very urgent and you know this one definitely but they just you know deliver chunks of information so much information it's like a good you know place to start or maybe like a staple even and kind of like understanding you know some some of these things anyway the 13th and I am not your negro which is a great one a little more even like it's based on the writings of James Baldwin and although it's like nonfiction it it's still it's it's definitely more poetic not to say that the 13th isn't poetic like it's, it's it's filmmaking is totally appropriate and works like so i i don't want to get too much into talking about these documentaries i wasn't planning on it but like yeah the 13th and i am not your negro are um on netflix and uh amazon prime respectively and definitely i feel like are very important movies that i've like saying like a lot that's not good yeah they're they're good and i want to talk about them a lot but maybe i'll get to talk about them at some other point anyway this attitude i'm talking about that's um that's like us trying to be more you know thinking about um black life in america uh, supporting black art kind of you know that's that's the thing that's what I, i'm trying to get to the point that i want to do is just talk about how this is a, a like i don't know you say a good opportunity it's just like this i feel like this should be an opportunity for me to talk about all the great you know people i love that i feel like not many people often encounter throughout like history of uh, like first of all comedians I've been thinking about like 
Dick Gregory and uh, Godfrey Cambridge are like two people, pe- like totally relevant today. That you know, not a lot of people know about. They're two great stand-up comedians, and like, if you want to kind of get into like a zone of history that's, you know, not like reading a book or uh, um, watching a movie, even listening to stand-up comedy, kind of like listening to music, takes you to a place of like. I don't know, it just takes you to that place. And Dick Gregory especially, I mean, they both are. But those two guys were great, like, comedians talking about race and talking about, you know, the comedians just draw attention to the the injustices of time and push push things to where the conversation doesn't want to go. And that's a great way to, like, you know, be a revolutionary in your own right. So a lot of those stand-up comedians, like, way far back, those guys, but also Richard Pryor, so many people... <laughs> Don't don't Richard Pryor live in concerts on uh, Netflix, and I highly recommend that. He's one of the greatest comedians ever, and uh, you know people aren't as familiar as I'd like him to be. I mean, like how do you not? Uh, I don't know. Richard Pryor is great, and Dave Chappelle is like the greatest of all time too. Almost like I've been. That's that's like me with my mom. I'm trying to get her. Like no, this is how it like goes in 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 our like way of communication. Uh, in this, in our house, like we're pretty much all on the same page. We know, and we're trying to like, you know, share, you know, petitions to sign or something. Or like, you know, my mom's like yells across the house. You seen the 13th? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I think it's pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a pretty well-made movie. The, the, the stuff is terrible. I'm like, no, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's our <laughs> back and forth, I guess not to make, I'm kind of making it funny, but you know, and but something else I just did today was just telling my mom about Dave Chappelle and his stuff on Netflix and how, especially uh, equanimity and the bird revelation are super relevant. I'm telling her like this guy is a great, great comedian. Like check him out as like a new, you know new way of like it's just it's you know he's an artist and stand-up comedy is like a part of the uh the culture the zeitgeist or whatever it's a new thing to be exposed to if you haven't encountered dave Chappelle or any of these stand-up comedians anyway i was telling you to check out dave Chappelle because he's like the greatest <clears throat> and um and yeah i would also say to anyone you know go check out equanimity and the bird revelation if you haven't and or maybe even start with killing them softly from 2000 <clears throat> it's uh it's freaking awesome one of the best stand-up specials of all time it's right on youtube and it's just like an hour long and it's for free on <clears throat> youtube um so anyway also the other one was um was telling my mom or tried to play run the jewels for my mom Run the Jewels is has this great album that just came out, and it's it's a cool example of art reflecting our times or responding to the time. Kind of you know very activist e you know. Uh, Killer Mike is a really interesting activist. How he operates as an activist. Anyway, the music I'm playing the album, and my mom's just like, no, no this isn't for me. Uh, you know, please turn off. And she was trying to work too, to be fair. So it uh, was probably not the best time to show her those sick beats of uh, Run the Jewels. Um, just not her cup of tea. Anyway, 
so uh i recorded this uh thing following just because i uh was thinking about i was thinking about what i wanted to share if i could and um you know if you're interested i was i'm going to talk a little bit about some music i like specifically robert johnson and i start talking i put like the theme song i've been using and it's kind of kind of uh you know it seems weird because i'm talking about great music and there's this silly little podcast theme running under it but i'm just that's just the theme i've chosen and i feel like structurally it helps the transition so if you notice that silly little thing so did i um here's my little recording and then after that we'll be uh talking with will oakley So I wanted to talk about um, black music, basically, and how all of American music—oh, it's it's all black music, or owes it to black music. Like even country music, as we know it today, is definitely um, comes. It's more rock and roll, I feel like, than even like the folk kind of country country started out with. But even all that is basically owed to the blues. And the blues just goes way back, and then there's like African spirituals and 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 all the uh, the soul, all the is is soulful American music that we've come to like. Well, I guess all music is soul. You know, there's the whole genre of soul though is you know primarily associated with black singers and musicians, and that's just that's the whole that the word soul like souls in all music. I mean, what music is worth listening to if it doesn't have soul? Um, anyway, I want to talk about just uh, how huge this is. I mean, I mean, like, it's nothing. I'm not saying anything new. Saying like, all all our music stems from black music, right? Like, we, I don't know. Do do we talk about this enough? Like, uh, the music we enjoy and where it comes from, and just the history of music, because the history of music's awesome, you know. And you can look back at like. A lot of the uh, the Godfather funk, the King of Funk is James Brown. The King of Soul, Sam Cooke. I guess you could also say. I feel like people say the same thing about James Brown, King of Soul or Father of Soul. And um, there's Charlie Patton, uh, the uh, the King. No, the Father, the Father of Delta uh, Delta Blues, which are. If you haven't ever listened to like Delta Blues, which are like the really old recordings, often really scratchy and stuff, you gotta go check out some of the Delta Blues greats, like Charlie Patton. He's this. There's only one known photograph of Charlie Patton. That's how far back that goes. Um, yeah, well, it's, I know it's ridiculous to compare photography to music. Like, like music is definitely way older. You know, there was music before they were able to take photographs. Imagine that, like, to an artist, uh, um, two artists getting an argument. One's a photographer and one's a musician. Musicians is like, well, mine's older. You know, like, oh, well, that's definitely true. Like, music, is that something like uh, Patti Smith and uh, Robert Mapleford were arguing about? And then George Harrison comes in and he's just like, you can do both. You don't have to. Just make sure music is what you're known for because... You know, a musician who does photography on the side, that's kind of cute. But a photographer who does 
you know, has a band on the side. That's kind of like, you know, is it, are you even that good if you're doing the photography? I don't know. Don't want to be insulting to any very serious photographers out there. You know, photography is awesome. All of it. Yeah. But anyway, um, what was I talking about? <clears throat> oh yeah. All the, the fathers, godfathers of music, all these great black musicians. And I'm sure you're asking, yeah, okay, there's a lot of fathers, Patrick, but like, where are the mothers? Like, where are the women? And I'm like, yeah, wow. It, this, uh, and then, oh, the mother of the blues is Ma Rainey, who's really cool. Also, if you got to check her out, like, kind of like paralleling, like, the, the Delta Blues, even before, like, Delta Blues was kind of like, Robert Johnson was like the peak of, like, known Delta Blues, like, widespread but what i'll talk about robert johnson a little bit ma rainey is cool <clears throat> she is a, 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 a as a blues singer and uh the cool thing about ma rainey is there's uh, the august wilson <clears throat> play uh ma rainey's black bottom which is a uh, part of his like a pittsburgh cycle and I, I haven't read this play but you know i love reading fences and uh read the piano lesson uh at Kenyon, and those are both great and i love August Wilson from just like I doing a project on him in high school and like reading fences, but he has the Pittsburgh cycle, which all these plays are a part of. And they're, uh, they like each take place in a different decade of like the 20th century. And I think, yeah, Ma Rainey was around the 20s. So I think she, her, that takes place in the 20s. Like, yeah, she's a character in this play. Of course, the play is like written and made in the 80s. So it's like way after her time, but she's a character in this play and I haven't read it, but it's definitely, Going to the top of my reading list. Let's start a book club. No, maybe that'll be too cultish. Let's not do that. Anyway, um, Ma Rainey is great. Go listen to her if you can. If you, I mean, it's all on Spotify. All this stuff is great. But the guy I also was just thinking about a lot because, like, not a lot of people. I don't know how to say that. Like, I'm sure a lot of people know about Robert Johnson, but Robert Johnson is like one of the most amazing figures of American music a lot because like he's been myth uh, mythologized, you know, he's like the guy who went to the crossroads uh, and sold his soul to the devil to be able to play the guitar, um, which is something that he wasn't even like the first popular musician in the Delta blues to do that. There's another guy, Tommy Johnson, not related. Tommy Johnson also maybe going to be uh, the guest on the next podcast, but the, this blues, uh, black blues, uh, Mrs. El uh, no Delta blues, singer you know claimed to sell his soul to the devil and if you've seen the uh, movie oh brother where art thou tommy johnson is the name of the uh, guy they pick up at the crossroads they do they do this whole story in in uh, oh brother where art thou and that's tommy johnson the guy before robert johnson so that's how like hipster the cohen brothers are they're just like oh yeah you know you don't know you don't you don't know uh robert johnson we don't even care we're gonna make a guy you also don't know about but like people who would know about Robert Johnson maybe wouldn't even know about. Anyway, <clears throat> that's pretty hipster. But um, yeah, Robert Johnson is the one who has you know the complete recordings on. That's like the record to go to. It's all of it. And it's like under two hours. Go find that on Spotify. And it's the kind of music that's like, you, you know, a lot of us listen to music and you know get hooked on it and then some of it takes a couple rounds and it's like this th this music definitely should be it's, it's like honestly it should be something like taught in schools kind of like a more visceral like interaction with history because it's definitely his songs encapsulate something like 
so intense. I don't know. Like, just listen to his songs. It's not like you're listening for enjoyment. There's like extreme blues, you know? It's the blues. You got to get on board with the blues idea. But just the pain of like these folk songs and his performance is amazing. And it's definitely something maybe I definitely couldn't appreciate upon first listening. But that's kind of the beauty of these things. You go back and listen to it again and again. And the songs can you know, oh, I don't know, like definitely haunt you in a way, almost some of them. I mean, a lot is, I mean, it's the blues. There's just, there's definitely a, a lot of hauntingness feelings to the blues, but it's also just so, so awesome. I don't know. Um, definitely check out Robert Johnson. And there's a cool thing on Netflix about him too. That's like a half hour documentary about, you know, selling and soul out at the crossroads. And I think he also became more famous because there's a lot of like legends surrounding his death too, which is crazy. Apparently got poisoned by a girlfriend when he was 27 and like at a, you know, at a, like wherever he was performing and he got poisoned and started like foaming at the mouth and stuff and like saying things. I don't know what he said, but definitely like referencing how he sold his soul to the devil. But there's a lot of speculation about that. That's very possibly just a legend. He might have died of, um, some other kind of disease or something. Anyway, <clears throat> that was, uh, I think, yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about, like, as my thing to draw attention to. Hopefully, it's not too weird, me just being, you know, this guy. I'm just saying Robert Johnson and the Delta Blues guys, Ma Rainey, a lot of just any, like, blues singer. You know, Bessie Smith was like kind of like, you know, an apprentice to Ma Rainey, like under her wing. She's also one of the great, <coughs> greatest, um, you know, black singers, singers ever recorded. Um, yeah, and I feel like this is something that you can go on and on with. But uh, I just wanted to, uh, yeah, tell people to go check it out. All right, let's get on to the real show. Uh, which is me talking to Will Oakley for like three hours. Here you go. That was just my brother returning a book. He oh, gotcha. He's a baseball player too at Mercersburg. That's right, yeah. And I lent him like a, a, a collection of sports writing. And uh, this is actually, you know, what's the... Author's name, the famous Japanese author who, uh, um, Haruki Murakami. Have you heard that guy? That sounds really. I know. What do you mean? Is that an artist or an author? An author. And I know. Sounds really familiar, but I can't pinpoint it. Yeah, Will Stone likes him. He wrote uh, Kafka on the Shore. Okay. But he, uh, he's an interesting guy because he, he's like a big, he's from Japan and he's a big baseball fan. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. He talks about, um, going to Japanese baseball games and, uh, like sitting in a, <clears throat> like sitting on a hill watching a baseball game one afternoon and he's like 30 or something. He's not that old, but like, you know, he has a job. He owns a nightclub, apparently runs a jazz nightclub in J- uh, Japan <sighs> But then he describes this one afternoon. He's like watching this baseball game, drinking a beer on a hill, and he decides to like write a novel. He's just like, "I'm gonna write a novel," and he goes and he does it. And uh, then he uh, 
he writes about that and somehow I forget, I've read a long time ago, but he gets really into like distance running around this time too. So it's a really cool article or like essay by him about the connections between writing and running. And he says he's like run pretty much every day and done all these marathons. I bet you'd like him since you're like a runner. Yeah. I've, I've always noticed the parallels between running and, and life in general. And there's like just a lot of good lessons to be learned there. Something about just each run is kind of a challenge and you get a certain joy of overcoming it every time. Yeah. Um, and then it also, I feel like it teaches you a lot about hard work because in order to become a good distance runner, you have to be very consistent with it. There's just in a race, you just, you'll never have enough willpower to beat somebody if you haven't built like the aerobic base. So like it really forces like consistent work ethic to get good, which I thought was kind of one of the valuable lessons I got from running. Yeah. Yeah. Running is a great, like, uh, I remember first getting into running and being kind of like, actually, have you been, have you gotten, have you been running more? Cause, uh, didn't you have like an injury you were getting over? Yeah. Yeah. So I started back like when I still thought I had a spring season, I started back and it was definitely too early and then I was kind of on and off and then I always start playing basketball, which makes it worse. Mm. So I've, at this point I've kind of stopped. I've actually kind of picked up boxing oh, to really? try to stay in shape, but Eventually, when I get healthy, I definitely want to get back to running again. Yeah. Boxing. How are you doing boxing? Is that like a – do you do that with anyone or by yourself? Do you have a bag or something? I do have a bag. I'd really like to get like – make my brother get like the like pads or whatever so you can practice like the combinations. <laughs> you can like spar with him, beat him up. <laughs> I, I want to do that too with my brother. Yeah. It looks, it looks so fun. I've, I've started to learn the basics. It's definitely a really good – whole body exercise and also mm -hmm. pretty fun as well how are you learning it like do you have a teacher or youtube or something youtube youtube is the almighty source of information yeah that's that's you can really true. learn anything it's crazy yeah i used to i used to go in like my senior year of high school I had a, my best friend was he he went he wasn't a boxer but he went like almost weekly to this boxing gym just to do the workouts kind of and it was like a it felt like I went with him a couple times and like picked up some of the basics too and it it was like this place in downtown Baltimore called Jake's Boxing Club or something and it's like a really just like a kind of a small really hot room up a flight of stairs yeah. like directly above a strip club it was like <laughs> it definitely felt like you know it, it was a cool feeling going up there it was like we're, we're boxing and you, you'd see some guys in the ring boxing but they just teach classes for people who want to do these workouts and I got like my favorite thing was the um what's it called the small bag that you hit with your shoulder like you hold your hands up and it works your shoulders and you get into a rhythm and it's yeah, like yeah. Doo -doo 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 -doo. yeah i know what you're talking about that's really fun um but i only did that a few times but yeah boxing i love boxing movies too they're always they're always fun yeah yeah there's something cool about those um but so have you been getting back into running oh yeah i don't think i ever really stopped i mean there were like a couple weeks like where i you know there'd be a stretch of like a couple weeks where i wouldn't be running but uh i've been running recently a lot just not long distance not as long as i'd like but hopefully if 
I mean, there's probably not going to, even if we do go back to school, there's not going to be a season, but I'd like to run. Uh, you don't think so? I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I think a lot of schools are talking about canceling athletics just to like decrease chances of like spreading, Damn. you know, spreading any possible germs. Right. Which I'm not opposed to that idea of like not having, you know, a season. I mean, I, yeah, I'd miss cross country, but if we could still like run as a team and maybe just right. like do other stuff, like I'd have a lot of free time to pursue kind of other extracurriculars that. I'm hoping to get into, but yeah, it's like a, there's definitely a silver lining to that. Right. Right. And you're coming back as a junior, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Your decision proved so, so smart to take the year (laughs) off. Like, Oh yeah. 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 I'm like, yeah, that, that ended up being really, really cool but now i'm just worried about like getting back to normal like the world right now stresses me out so much true true i i don't know but like i feel like you know the if, if you had stayed you would have been you know yeah senior. i feel like the seniors have it well obviously we as the class of 2020 probably had it the yeah. worst but i feel like the seniors coming back like that's kind of also sketchy like they lose their junior spring mm-hmm. and then you know the fall is going to be kind of off you don't know if you're going to get sports or everything yeah. So I feel like you kind of have that, like extra That'd be year, a tough senior year. Really nice. Yeah. No. There's definitely like uh, I feel like a part of me always wanted to take a gap year, even before I went to college. I was just like, this is, this is gonna be, you know, I don't know, just something very appealing to just taking a year off and kind of reevaluating, maybe. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I did the extra year. That was when I was. Oh in yeah. Group, was basically like an extra year of high school and. I think that was definitely a smart decision. I feel like, yeah, just kind of getting a little extra year to mature and process everything is, there's definitely no harm in that. Yeah. Maturity. I don't know if I feel it's, it's, it's weird. We're going to, we'll see when I get back though, but it's going to be like, what, if you're looking so much for like, I don't think, I don't know if I were to look for all the differences, I don't think I'd find them, but I definitely feel like, a newfound like excitement to go back and be around people. Not that I ever, right. I don't know. I guess I was just, I really was exhausted by the end of the year, which sounds ridiculous. It's like, I, I kind of was joking about it. Like I was talking to someone about like not understanding how like, like Trump's like in his seventies and he, he, I don't understand how he wants to be president because it's just, it seems so exhausting. Like I, I, I couldn't yeah. take two years of college and I'm like 21 right. years old. And that was just like two years of drinking and smoking weed, and it's just like I need a break, you know. But yeah, no, I feel that for sure. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people, you know, in the quarantine time, kind of realize a lot of the good things they had in the past that they took for granted. You know, just like regular social interaction, like just being able to like go to you know like the dining hall and yeah, with people. But at the same time, when you're in the moment, it definitely gets very exhausting just like constantly being around people and like living in a dorm like there's something mm-hmm. that you don't really get like alone time and it, it gets exhausting but mm, yeah, yeah no, i see what you're saying yeah definitely like you, you, the grass is always greener but no i did love it in the moment like honestly comparing <clears throat> my year here at home to like a year at college i think like a year at college is definitely more fun 
I like being social, but, and it was really challenging. Like I was almost, I actually, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was like to just try like conversing again. Cause I've like spent so much of this year not talking to people or not having yeah. like, a, like conversations that I felt were like, you know, beneficial or enjoyable or just like, yeah, I, that's that's the one big thing I missed from this year. Like uh, all other things, like I'm grateful I got to like read and watch movies and learn to play guitar and do some cool stuff that I don't think I would have done otherwise. But I do desperately miss interacting with people, and like you know, that's a it's just it's more exciting when you have people with shared interests too. Is definitely such a great thing about college. If you can like collaborate and talk to people, it's so much fun. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's just humans are very much, I think, group oriented creatures. And they just need, I think we all kind of need interaction to avoid going crazy. Yeah, I like that. You, you talk about that a lot, I feel. And I think about, I think about, um, wait, I don't know what I think about, what I was going to say. <laughs> I guess I, I was going to like people, people definitely talking about this quarantine and just people suffering and going crazy from like a uh, no social interaction. And I'm like, this is literally, I've been like, nothing has changed for me really. <laughs> Except yeah. that I stopped going to work, you know? Yeah. I actually, I've definitely been in this position before. Like in fact, a lot of my summers were actually almost identical to what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's also, like, comes from kind of a position of, like, privilege and not having to work, you know? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are probably, like, I don't have to worry. I don't have any, like, financial burden. So yeah. I'm, I'm extremely fortunate in that way. Yeah. There's no struggle, though. But in that, in, like, if it's, if you are, you know, privileged, it's easy to slip into nothing. And that's just an empty feeling. Never oh, good. facts. Yeah. Well, I actually think, I think, like in the long term of humanity, I think that's actually going to be our greatest challenge. We'll just be coping with nothingness. Cause I think mm -hmm. I'm actually somewhat optimistic and I, I don't really know what I'm talking about here. Like, but, but I'm somewhat optimistic that humans will be inventive enough to like overcome issues such as like pandemics or nuclear war, or even climate change. I, I think we're going to do a lot of damage, but I still feel like humans will be smart enough to save themselves to some degree. And then I think with automation and everything, I think we'll actually eventually, we'll eventually somewhat solve the problem of shortage and of like not having enough food and stuff. And I think, you know, eventually we'll have a lot of jobs automated. And I think that the real challenge in the long term will be just like having a purpose and like, okay, yeah what do you actually do with your time? Like, I think my, one of my favorite movies is Wally. I yes. I was Wally just thinking, like, I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring. Yeah. That's yeah. like the, like, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a movie about, uh, the environment to some degree, but I think to me, what really speaks to me about it is that these people based on like the way they're portrayed in the movie, they have everything. It seems that they've achieved total equality and they're mm -hmm. not they're definitely not like starving or anything they're like, constantly stimulated <laughs> definitely not. Yet they just they have not they're, they're just existing in yeah. a state of nothingness and that's why they want to go back to earth to plant like a single plant because they mm -hmm. they need a cause you know yeah uh 
Yeah, I was just yeah exactly thinking about that because like Wally is like they don't have purpose. They're just drinking their shakes and talking to each other through screens. What are exactly, they yeah. even talking about though? How do they like? How do they even get to that point? Honestly, it's but furious. The scary thing is, I feel like that is like the model of human society. If we were to achieve mm-hmm. all the goals we're currently attempting to achieve, like that's I think we're that's well off in the distance but if if you take our modern modern goals and extend them to the furthest extreme that's kind of what we look like because they're not suffering from you know the issues that we're desperately desperately trying to solve you know like you don't see like death or you don't see anything drastic but it's at the same time there's something profoundly sad about that because like you know human beings need struggle like like you love movies what's a movie without a conflict like Mm. There needs to be some sort of arc, and yeah. but I, unfortunately, in our effort to solve every problem, we we sometimes seek to eliminate the conflict or the struggle. But we we need that, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm thinking about, yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know. I've been I've been thinking about a lot about recently, like solving conflict with conflict and like that kind of thinking because of like all the terrible kind of you know, things going on with Minneapolis and the riots and the protests. Like, how can I, I don't know, maybe I'm on my phone too much, but really how can I like, how can someone not be like thinking about this all the time? I go through some Instagram stories and see Uh people trying to make the same point, but like directly contradicting each other. Like, like one after someone, there was something that I really was like, what was, oh yeah. Someone's like in one story, you should donate to like this fund, the Minnesota freedom fund. And the very next thing I saw was like, don't, or like, please reconsider before you donate to this fund because it's shady for like these reasons or something, you know? And like, everyone's like trying to, everyone's trying to solve it through their Instagram stories and spread the knowledge of like, I don't know. It's, I mean, like, I feel like a lot of us want to do the same thing, but a lot of people are like, you know, trying to promote, riots as like a good thing and a lot of people are trying to be like no non-violence is the way to go and then that the two people on the same kind of side on the other side of like you know none of us want the police to be killing innocent black men and like more than that like it's a it's just a, a huge thing that's been around like since the beginning of the country of course like the the police and the unjust laws and just racism in general but like uh, it's just it's so much it causes me so much anxiety just watching like people like like seriously like cancel each other for even like yeah, saying we need yeah. we need nonviolent protests and then people will be like you're crazy like i can't believe like you're thinking that and they're like well you're you're promoting violence and then some people will say like breaking glass is not violence and like poverty and like homelessness and all this stuff is violence. I see what you mean, but that still doesn't mean like, I'm not saying like damaging property is the worst, but like that's still violence. Like that if if you're damaging and breaking glass, we shouldn't like not, I don't think we should like change the definition of what violence is. Cause that's just confusing. And I I mean, it's a different kind of violence, not as severe as like human or bodily damage kind of violence, but still violence right and i totally feel you because i i definitely get that sense of being overwhelmed every time i go on twitter or instagram especially now yeah 
uh, it's just it's such a shit show. Like I don't doubt the intentions of the people posting stuff. I think they gen genuinely want to like help and like spread awareness and the message. But it's just like I just don't think it's a an Instagram story or a tweet is just not a, an effective way to yeah. make a point or have a discussion or facilitate yeah. understanding between people. And, and it, uh, it also just comes across to me as like, it seems like people care more about making it look like they care than they actually oh, care yeah. about the issue. Yeah. It's like, it just strikes me as just kind of a big display and a big show. Cause it's like, okay, you, you care about police brutality now, mm -hmm. but what about the other 363 days of the year? Like then you aren't, you weren't so vocal about it and yeah. it's just like but i think a lot of this the movement happening right now is trying to like make it i feel like that's a good thing kind of coming out of it is like the intensity of it is like more serious than ever i think Be especially because it's yeah. like a ridiculous like back to back to back of these like yeah, yeah. killings and like you know uh, like calling the police on innocent people and it's just ridiculous like it makes sense that there is this like terrible like you know there's a huge upset and it makes all the sense in the world, but it's, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to say, but, but like, <laughs> yeah, but I see what you mean. Uh, definitely that feeling that it, it's, it, people come at you really aggressively. And I don't think like any, like we all kind of agree, but you know, you're not going to convince someone who totally disagrees with you through your Instagram story. Like, I think we're all, most of the people sharing this stuff are like on the same page and trying to like sign whatever petitions or like just, generally just trying to do i don't know like i don't know who how much effect you're gonna have but there are some people that kind of try to get at what you were saying was like yeah you can't you can't just talk about this now you can't change everything in instagram post and this is like seeing some instagram posts like you can't change everything with a post just trying to like tell people this isn't this it doesn't end here but also like you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, what can you do? Like people go in and protesting and it's the backdrop of coronavirus too. Like there's still like a virus at risk and like maybe it's going down in some states, some states it's rising. I think some parts of Minnesota are still hotspots. I don't think this Minneapolis is as much a hotspot, but you know, I don't know, all over the country, people are going out and protesting. It just makes me a little uneasy because it's like, we're still dealing with like, a deadly virus you know and it's yeah, just yeah. i don't know it's yeah. really conflicting and really just i don't know it it's, feels like the end of the world a little bit yeah that's i mean that is a tricky part of it because they i mean on the one hand like you know clearly based on the video evidence it seems that there was an unjust death that occurred and you want to raise awareness about that and then but then like you said it's like oh we're not supposed to be protesting basically i feel like Social media is a bunch of hypocritical people trying to call the other person a hypocrite. It's yeah. just like the Spider-Man meme where they're just <laughs> pointing at each other and they're both doing a bunch of hypocritical stuff and but refusing to take personal responsibility and then it just becomes a contest of whataboutisms. And you're just like, well, you said this. I'll dig up a tweet from like five years ago. You said this back then. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> it, it really... Man, every time I start getting a little like 
too optimistic about the world. I just like to scroll through Twitter and keep myself grounded. <laughs> if you're getting too optimistic. No, I was liking what you said about, like, we'll overcome this. It made me feel a little better because, like, this past couple of days, I was just like, oh, my gosh, anxious as hell looking through all these terrible, like, images and all these, like, frightening posts. Not frightening. I mean, like, it's just everyone's so cutthroat, and it just makes me so – like, uh, it, it makes me upset. And it's, and it's like, it's, you know, righteous because there are like yes. incredibly, you know, ignorant people. You know, I mean, I'm ignorant to definitely a degree. I'm trying not to be, but like, you know, I don't know. This has always been something interesting because it's always like, there's always something more to like try and discover and learn. And like, you know, like it's, there's not, it doesn't end anywhere really, you know, right. uh, but uh it, it's just like it's it's like my head is like swirling watching all this and i really don't like i don't know if i'm talking about my own beliefs i just don't like the idea of violence even though you know violence begets violence and the response to like cops murdering someone for no reason besides like their own racist you know bias like that that makes sense but like i don't know I feel like a lot of the, uh, a lot of what we're headed towards is like a lot of people are just thinking, either like about anarchy or like totally overthrowing the government or something because people are just like generalizing all cops as bastards, you know. And I'm like that kind of yeah. puts me off a little bit. Like even though it it makes it does make sense, like the institution of like the police is not at all, yeah. you know, been good historically, like you know, there's so much corruption and so much like unjust stuff and like our president's crazy and just awful. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's definitely an intense time. feels like things are going to change a lot. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's tough. I, I feel like a lot of the kind of like violent response or not even really violent, just kind of like, the looting and whatnot, the anger is under definitely understandable. Though I wonder just kind of about the effect effectiveness of it, because it might take the attention away from the actual unjust killing, and then it's like, oh, buildings are burning, and they're playing that instead of you know the video of of the the murder. So, but I mean, who am I to judge? You know? Yeah. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Well, I uh, am recording this, and it's only letting me record in like half hour installments. So I'm gonna like stop recording and start oh, recording yeah. again. Okay. I might have to do. Uh, let me see here. It's processing. Processing. What the heck? Uh, something's glitching here. It's not letting me start recording again.
Mm-mm. Okay, maybe. All right, we're we're back. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. You were you were in the middle of a thought. Sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. Do you remember what the thought was? Uh, I got lost in in oh, yeah. a little bit. I I could. Uh, we should. Maybe we should just transition. Yeah, ne- definitely. Because like, how far is this gonna get? I'm just like, yeah. yeah I was riled up today, <laughs> looking through just like comments on Instagram, and I was just like, Eric Andre. Yeah. I thought made like a really, you know, Eric Andre. Like, oh, I, I love Eric. Yeah, Andre. he's great. Yeah. You made like a post that I thought was like really articulate and well said, and it was promoting nonviolence and stuff. And, right. you know, it, it was like talking about how the riots in 1968, um, you know, all the violence um, was used to. Oh, shit. Okay, fuck. What the heck is this? It, it's, it's not recording. I'm going to find another way to record. Sorry. Okay, yeah, no problem. But what I was, uh, don't need to record this necessarily. I'm just saying, like, um, he was talking about how Nixon's like campaign used all this kind of like violence uh, that was happening in the '60s, kind of used as ammunition to like, you know, bring out the the fear in um, like the right. And so, yeah. all this violence right now is just going to make neutral people or people leaning right go more right and be like more afraid. I don't know. They're like, there's so many people out there who probably like, you know, definitely going to be triggered by just seeing violence and like, you know, maybe fall into, I don't know, voting for, for Trump again or something. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, yeah, the, the power of the peaceful protest is that it just paints the oppressor just in a really bad way because you just have people that aren't doing anything wrong and then they get, you know, beat up on or, or looked down upon. And then so it it paints like a, a very good narrative in their favor. But Yeah. And I was just looking through comments and then like it's totally pointless because it just upset me. Like people are getting so mad at Eric Andre for posting this. Just because uh, they're bro, like, yeah, you can't. Oh, like, who are these people out there? They're like, oh, I'm I, so yeah. disappointed in you, Eric Andre. And I'm like, what? Because he's like, doesn't like violence. I mean, so many yeah, people are on different pages right now. Bro, I can't even like that. Just it just makes me sad for humanity when I I look through Twitter, and Instagram for too long. It's just like, Ugh. like I don't know if. Oh, I don't know if people are dumb or if they're just not really thinking before they yeah. uh, send. I, I feel like it's more the latter. I feel like it's because like when you talk to people in person, you know, you usually realize that they're not, you know, people have reasons for what they say and mm-hmm. they're usually respectful. I feel like it's just something about the, the medium of just social media where it's just like you can send whatever instantly. You don't have to think. You don't have to look anybody in the eyes. There's just no stakes. Mm-hmm. It just kind of brings out the worst in people. Yeah. 
Ugh, it does that. Yeah, I do hate. I kind. I'm like. Uh, I always, you know, was suspicious of social media, but like my disdain for it is on the rise right now. Drinking a lot of coffee. Interesting, man. I'll I'll say this. You should try going. You should try giving up caffeine. That's so hard because I work in a coffee shop. It's just always it's there. True. I know, but you need to free yourself from the reliance. I, I got hooked on caffeine probably late high school. I would I first used it as like when I got to get up early and study yeah. for something, and then it became like an at candy and it started to become like an everyday habit. Mm-hmm. And then I, I like I kept lying to myself like ah oh, you know I don't need it like I just like it you know I like the taste yeah and then but then I, I started to realize like I was really like. Like, I'd get up, brush my teeth, go to get caught. Like, it was, I was, like, definitely reliant on it, and it was, like, something that I needed and that I craved. And then you realize you're using it just to get back to, like, normal. Like, it's not even elevating you. It's, like, you wake up, like, barely being able to function, and then you're, the caffeine just elevates you to, like, a place of normal. So then over winter break, I phased it out gradually. Um, which was tough for like a couple days, mm-hmm. and now I just do decaf every morning because I still like kind of the yeah the taste. It is a good routine. taste. I love it with it like is, yeah. breakfast food. You know? Yeah, I think it makes you crave sweet foods a little more. So oh, yeah, the connection kind of makes sense. Um, but now if I drink caffeine, like I can like really feel the effect of it. Um, sometimes like a little too much actually, but. But now it's like, yeah, if I, if I need it, like if I need, like a, when I was working on the EP trying to finish it, like mm-hmm. I, I was able to stay up all night. Whereas I remember at Kenyon, like back before I gave it up, like finals week, I'd like drink like a 16 ounce like Red Bull and I'd get like maybe like an hour of like, oh man, you know, before I fall asleep. Yeah. yeah that's like, what? Like, what's that? I just had a psychology class online talking about like drug dependency and like working up dependence or something like you need to take more of it the more you take it yeah yeah. Effects. yeah that's kind of scary and i haven't like i w- i don't think i was really that dependent like i would drink it drink it sparsely because i didn't work every day i would just like right. mostly drink it at work when it was around but now i just drink it because like during quarantine it's just like i don't even i don't know i have a hard i don't really have a drive like i'll wake up late and just like what am i gonna do today i just want to sleep all day so i need to get caffeine yeah. to like go do stuff because there's like no drive to do anything true true i guess one yeah it's i guess because i've kind of been i like stayed home and like didn't work a lot in past summers like i guess i've kind of slowly learned how to function when you like don't have any formal commitments yeah because it's definitely hard like when like most people function because like other they have to meet other people's expectations like you know yeah if you have a job or a school so then when you loosen that and you're just on your own it's very difficult to get yourself up and to hold yourself accountable Mm -hmm. i've slowly discovered that so i try to schedule for a while as in like plotting out each hour um, and I, th- I did that all last summer and I tried it in quarantine and I found that it's not super effective because you slip on one aspect of it and then you're oh, like yeah. behind the schedule all day mm-hmm. or then sometimes you just like kind of rage quit. You're just like, screw this. Like, I'm not trying to live on a schedule. Yeah. So what I found 
recently, the best option for me at least is like I do a daily quota. So I just have like a list of oh, things yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, I got to get this done before I sleep. Yeah, I have that too. I'll write it like the night before. I'll write down, here's what I'll do tomorrow. And sometimes I'll do it all. But you know. yeah. <laughs> the one issue that you run into is then like, oh, well, what if you haven't done it and it's your bedtime and it's like, and it's like, do I give up sleep, which then makes me less productive for the next day or do yeah. I try to finish this? So there, there are some, or then sometimes you rush something. So it's still an imperfect system, but it, I find it to be a little better than the you know, than scheduling or just doing, if you don't have anything, then I feel like you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I have no bedtime either. I'm just like, I stay up way too, like some, a lot of times it's up till like 4am and that's when I'm like, oh, if I don't go to sleep now, I'm just not going to go to sleep. Cause I've had, I've had days like that where I just can't sleep and I'll just like, okay, we're going all the way. <laughs> and that's, I don't know, that's kind of fun, but not if you do too often, it's a little bit exciting because then I'm like awake in the early morning. I'm like, I have the whole day I can do everything, but then, you know, I get really tired by the afternoon. And... Right. Yeah. I, I rarely am able to do an all nighter. I, I usually find I need to sleep some and then. Yeah, I also feel like when you do that, you basically screw up your next day because yeah. you're just not productive. Like, I feel like sleep is one of the most undervalued resources oh, yeah. for, well, for actually just for, I mean, physical health, like mental focus, like your immune system, like mood. It's just, I feel like it's one of, if not the most undervalued resources today. And like, mm-hmm. man, it, it pisses me off so much the way that like, there still seems to be a, a sort of uh, societal ideal that like sleep is weak and that those who function on less sleep are like stronger. Like really? see these motivational videos, you know, where it's like dudes hitting the alarm at like 5 a.m. And mm-hmm. it's just like, well, did he go to sleep earlier though? <laughs> <laughs> well, he can't be going to sleep like that much earlier. Like I figure if, if, you know, at our age, I heard we're supposed to get nine hours of sleep. Like, mm-hmm. so you waking up at five, that means you're going to bed at, what eight o'clock like no no shot yeah <laughs> but then the, the motivational videos would be like your voice in your head is telling you to hit the snooze alarm and mm-hmm. go go to sleep but you're not of course the, the voice in your head is there for a reason because you're like it's like saying like let, let's you know it's strong like starving yourself and then trying to work like it's so <laughs> silly but it's yeah. like yeah no i feel like i i don't know like i agree like with the sleep thing i just didn't feel like society was telling us that sleep was weak i'm everywhere i turn it's like you gotta get sleep like i I don't know that was just me in high school like teachers will also be like that i never really but also i did not sleep that much in high school and i wasn't even thinking of it i just couldn't sleep very well and i would like stay up really late and then wake up for school and just like go through the day and sometimes i'd be like half asleep in class and that's just like what my life was but yeah i survived no, I, yeah. no, I think the experts will always tell you to get sleep, like any good teacher will. I yeah. just mean more like the YouTube motivational videos. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, right, right. Like but, Dwayne The Rock Johnson gets up at 4.30 a.m. or something. Yeah. <laughs> like what? what is he? He just, he just doesn't – he doesn't like have a night. He just goes to sleep when it's daytime probably. That, like, geez. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you're but, trading I mean, your night for a morning, so it's like, yeah. You get yeah, it. I mean, I, I feel like ideally human beings are supposed to 
you know, sleep when it gets dark. Your body, like, naturally produces, what, like, melatonin. And then mm-hmm. the light's supposed to wake you up. So I guess, like, that's, like, how we're supposed to go to sleep and wake up. But obviously, like, it's clear based on, like, you know, the timing of, like, when we have dinner, when, like, all the popular shows come on, that nobody's mm-hmm. actually going to sleep when it gets dark. Yeah, I love the night so much, too. Or at least... I loved it in high school. I loved being up at night and no one else was awake. And I was like, yes, this is my domain. But now actually, as I've gotten <laughs> older, everyone stays up late. Like even my mom yeah. is up so late a lot of nights. Yeah, I can see that. I was, I was going camping though, uh, like, uh, two weeks ago. And I was like, you were camping. Yeah. Well, nice. camping, it's actually, I'll, I'll get to the story. It's actually kind of an interesting story. Um, but like I did realize when when you're out there with no lights and it gets dark, like it makes sense why humans would sleep at that point. Because like oh, yeah. I, I was in the middle of West Virginia, it was dark. I'm like, what are you gonna do? Like, <laughs> like it's it feels kind of dangerous. Like sit around staying the awake. Like it makes sense that you go into your tent and try to sleep when it's dark. Mm-hmm. But now we just have all this artificial light, which I think kind of tricks our body into thinking that we're still supposed to be awake. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and screens definitely make yeah. it easy to stay yeah. up. <laughs> that's what I'll that's, do. That's a big one. I'm so I've been watching a lot of TV recently. I mean, I'm always watching movies, but recently I don't. I've been on like a TV binge, and TV just makes it so easy to stay up super late. Just like yeah, oh, the next episode's right here. Oh man, the way Netflix sets you up, is <laughs> they really. That's the thing. The uh, these uh social media and like entertainment they're really they're competing for your entertainment in like mm-hmm. a really serious way where it's just like they're really trying to get you to stay on especially uh you know the the services that rely on ad revenue like youtube like they're always playing the next video mm. instagram there's always more you can scroll so uh. ne- the explore page is a never-ending scroll I'm telling Definitely. you, I got to delete Instagram. <laughs> I really got to get rid of it. It's gotten better, though, since, like, the last time I saw you, I was talking about, like, I'm going to delete this, and I did for, like, a day, but then I got back. <laughs> but honestly, it has been better because I've been more, like, aware of, like, I'm like, what am I doing? It's been a little easier to just, you know, do something else. But, sure, like, sure. yeah, I never feel great when I'm on Instagram for, like, more than a minute. It's just, like, uh True. I mean, yeah, you can you can get good habits, but sometimes you fall into like I call it like a Instagram like black hole where yeah. you like click on something and then you like wake up like an hour later as if you were like in a coma. And, like the last hour was just like <laughs> I think I had that for. today actually because like when <laughs> yeah. I woke up, I went right on my phone because it oh, was man. yeah, I was just ugh. But I made a cool discovery. Actually, it wasn't like the worst. I there's this really cool Instagram account of a guy named Zach king i think have you heard of this guy i don't think so he does really cool magic tricks that are like oriented around like video editing like it's not like you do these magic tricks right in front of you he needs like to be able to edit them in videos but they're really cool and mind-blowing and it's just like i watched like a whole bunch of them and i was like these are just amazing like i they're, they're, they're pretty like if i'm gonna watch any kind of instagram post i'd like it to be this one that's true. You, there are some gems. That is mm-hmm. the one good thing about social media and YouTube is like you'll discover some things that you got to figure like in a past generation they just would have been totally lost. Yeah. 
but you'll you'll discover some really cool things for sure i also follow like a lot of accounts that are like like movie accounts or like old movie accounts and they show clips of old movies or i can find out about new things or just cool photographs from like a long time ago yeah yeah which are always neat and that's how you're coming with all those facts Mm -hmm. yeah but you can't really trust it too because sometimes you'll see a cool quote and it's just from like some weirdo account like is this even a real quote of right right from this person or whatever yeah i follow like a bunch of like kanye west accounts and so i just have i end up with just like a surplus of like (laughs) kanye west facts and so like man sometimes it works well like conversations people like oh who produced this and i can just oh yeah pull it out just yeah. like when you're talking about like oh this movie like so-and-so acted in it this was like he was directing and you just kind of look like a boss for like two minutes oh yeah no that's that's definitely fun I, that's because i spent like most of like my adolescence on imdb i think <laughs> really True. like i remember like people's not their birthdays but if i look up like an actor on that page i'll remember what year they were born because i'll just be like wow he's that old you know like yeah. i remember in 19 no 2012 is when i started like using that website a lot and i remember it because like i'd look up jim carrey and he was born in <laughs> 1962 so he was 50 and i'd be like whoa jim carrey's 50 and i'm like just right. like I'll, I'll just remember the the, the year he's born because i'm like amazed at how old he is and like because movie stars don't look like, like tom cruise he was 50 then too and he's like he's right. super old doesn't yeah. look any different that's true yeah no that's i can definitely relate to that because for me it's when i was into sports it actually used to be like batting averages oh like, yeah I just yeah would read the box scores and i just like know what everybody's batting average was what like people's points per game was and then as I've like gotten more into art, I, I know mm-hmm. like like who produced each track on like I don't know Jay Z's The Blueprint or whatever yeah. like random stuff like that. That's a valuable thing to get obsessed with stuff like that. I think that's like a very <laughs> good thing because like of all Is the it? things to get, I think so. Like there's like so many worse things to become obsessed with, and that kind of exercises true. your memory too a little bit at least, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what what's the story with the camping trip? You went to West Virginia. Yeah, so I was going with uh, my longtime friend, uh, next door neighbor. We are just like, yeah, let's go camping. I was like, man, I need, like, oh, you that's know, everything great. becomes so monotonous. You know? But, like, you have your best friend's your neighbor for quarantine. That That's awesome. That's nice, yeah. I Unfortunately, I'm just not social enough, so I just, like, I'll get into, like, a creative mode, and then I won't seek out social interaction. Yeah. I'll be, like, sad, but it's feeling the creativity, so it's like I like it. It's a bad cycle. But anyways, um, it's the creative process though. Yeah. Anyways, I was like, yeah, man, like, cause quarantine life is monotonous. Like two weeks will go by and then you'll think back and it's just like a state of nothing. Nothing yes. happened. Yeah. So I decided to go camping to West Virginia and I was like hella ignorant about it. I was just like, you know, what? I'm going for a day. Like who cares about preparing? Like if I suffer for a day, I suffer for a day. And so um, we went there to West Virginia and the campsite was closed due to coronavirus, which we could have easily looked up ahead of time. <laughs> and the roads were blocked oh leading God. to the campground and it was about like an eight mile road to the campground. And we're in West Virginia and like, we thought about doing like some, you know, like sketchy stuff, like just going on to like, I don't know, some other property, but we we're like, that's, that's too sketch. Like we got to yeah. find the actual campground. So we like, we searched for like 
we saw on the map like some back roads leading into it but then we like took a back road and we got led into like some dude's driveway and he was just sitting there with a rifle and like oh, my oh i was so scared so then we, we finally like, all right we got to send it so we looked at the map it was like an eight mile road to the top where the campgrounds were but we looked at the map and like it took this really roundabout way to the top so mm-hmm. like if we just cut across this green like this mile long green patch right here it's only like four or five miles and we'll be able to make it there like in your car so, you drive across it no no the roads were blocked so we had to walk oh, up with okay. our yeah, camp yeah. gear mm. and we weren't trying to walk eight miles so we're like okay if we cut across here we cut it to like four or five so we're walking and then you know it starts to occur to me i'm like you know there maybe there's a reason why the road took a super roundabout way mm. and then so like we're walking we realize we're like looking going straight into a mountain yeah um, but it's starting to get dark and then so we were just <laughs> like screw it we gotta send it so we just charged straight up this like mountain no trail i was carrying like this heavy ass camp bag and it was probably like the longest mile because i was like i saw a mile and i'm like you know i run yeah. like i'm just like a yeah. mile like that's not is it like that bad. all straight uphill though pretty much yeah oh, straight man. uphill with a camp bag it was the longest mile i've ever done mm-hmm. and we made it to the top uh walked on walked got back to the road walked on the road to the campground got there like right before it was dark it was super cut it super close but then you know i didn't bring a sleeping bag i just i was like i'm wearing like several layers and i had this little blanket i'm like you gotta bring a sleeping bag it was incredibly stupid i was just again like the temperature temperature when you're sleeping is different than temperature living i've learned that because you know it was like it was you know like 50 degrees when we were walking and like i was getting like i was like sweating and i'm thinking like 50 degrees like that's nothing but then Mm -hmm. it got down to about like maybe high 30s and the wind was coming in we were at the top of this mountain oh man and i was just freezing my ass off and i didn't sleep one minute that night oh no Um, no but you know what in a way there's something kind of nice about that because you know normally you know, when I'm in bed, I got a million thoughts running through my head. Like, you know, what, what job am I going to do? Like, you know, what, like I've, you know, you know, it is like, you got all sorts of thoughts that night. I just had one thought and that was, I'm cold. (laughs) And that was kind of nice. There's something nice about that. And then, then you value the warmth. Like I got back home, took a shower and that was just like a really nice shower got in bed slept i think about like 13 hours the next night it was nice oh yeah that is nice nice and how was like you know the rest of the camping trip did you do any make a fire or anything nah <laughs> it was it was too damp oh, yeah. uh, to start a fire there was a fire pit up there it was too damp we didn't start the fire um the dude i was camping in was like terrified of getting attacked by a bear mm, i wasn't that is super scary. worried about a bear um i think I just, and then we had to walk back and we decided not to take the shortcut because it was just like so steep. So it was like an eight mile walk back with the camping gear. Oh, man. What a great it hike. It was pretty brutal. Brutal's good. I love that kind of stuff. You know, like yeah. uh, I've been talking about that with my friend, actually, the, the, the boxing guy who's my friend from uh. high school who lives in Baltimore still. But we've been talking about trying to like do some even before coronavirus, we're like, we, we should do some camping this summer. And now it's like, it's all I'm, I'm thinking so much about it because I just want to get out of here, you know? I want to go on the You're road right. and go outside and just do something different. And I love camping. I haven't done it in a really long time, but like, 
I love, you know, going out in the wilderness kind of, you know, and I did it the other day actually, because, you know, up here in Mercersburg, you ever go to Cohen's Gap Park? Do you know that one? Um, I know I did do some hiking. I was in the outdoors club for like a minute when I was at Mercersburg. Mm -hmm. So we went some places. Yeah. Yeah. It's not too far. It's probably like a 20 minutes drive kind of up in the mountains. But, you know, I guess some people wouldn't call them mountains. They're mountains for around here. You know, they're not the Rockies, but I went up there, you know, just after work one day because I was, it was a beautiful day and I just went up there by myself and I was listening to like, you know, the Mark Marin podcast and walking and like just working up a sweat and it was so nice because it's like spring is here well spring's been here a while but like yeah it just smelled like i was like i remember the smell it was so good it was it was really fun i want to get out there more true true yeah no there's yeah i would say i i probably didn't enjoy camping but like as just a whole experience like yeah it was good it was like worthwhile it was fulfilling that's awesome yeah did you have a tent though at least we did have a tent. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, man, I just remember, well, the, I had this little Toy Story blanket that I got from Walmart. <laughs> and the problem was it didn't cover my whole body. And so, like, I, I just, like, no matter how, like, I was just trying so hard to, like. Your feet are, like, sticking out body. the bottom of it like a cartoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I did? I, I ended up having a backpack. And, like, halfway through the night, I put my feet in the backpack oh, and zipped up the backpack. smart. That was smart. That was smart. But still, it's just like there's always just like one little part of my body poking out. I, I hate that. Yeah, and like I couldn't move. It was so it was so bad. I got up as soon as I saw like the hint of light coming in. I was up. Hmm. That's fun though. Yeah, geez, camping. I have a hammock. I've never camped in a hammock, but that's what I I want to try out. Like sleeping in a hammock or something. You know? That would be interesting. Yeah. But like you know. At some point, I've, I'm like edging it. Like I don't know. I gotta take action, kind of, with this. Cause I don't know, my dream, or my dream before coronavirus, was like this summer I'm gonna go on like a road trip, either by myself or maybe with my friend Jack, and just drive out west. Cause that's I've never done that before. I've never like you know gone on a massive road trip, and I've never seen the land change into mountains. And that's True. something I've always like ever since I read on the road. I love that book. And and it's all about like traveling across the country and seeing all the different sites and kind of like, I don't know, just getting a feel for different things. And I, I don't know. That's like, I never did that. And in high school, when I read, it, I was like, this is what I got to do at some point. And I, don't, I never did it. And I was like, uh, yeah, that does sound nice. I'm just not, I'm not a big driving person, but. Yeah, it does I can get see the appeal. A monotonous, a little bit, huh? I don't know. There's something about it I just don't like. But mm. I, I guess I tend to like. I don't like traveling as much because the stress of traveling almost outweighs the joy of seeing the new place. Yeah. But I mean, that's just a personal thing. But oh, like, yeah. I, I do enjoy like, you know, going somewhere and then like actually like exploring that area a decent amount. Like, um, like I thought being at. Uh, school this past summer was a cool experience um wait just which, like kind oh, of being at running around gambier yeah. yeah that is so much fun gambier in the summer is awesome oh it was so beautiful and then just going for those runs every day and i remember a lot of runs i wouldn't go for a set route and i just kind of like explore mm-hmm. the area and try to like figure out new spots and it was it was nice. super cool that's the beauty of being on cross country is like getting a uh 
a sense of the air, the broader area, kind of more. Yeah, like, you know, your way around. That that is so true. Because I remember, I mean, the first few years in college when I was doing baseball, like I just had no sense of any of the area. Like I just had like a, a set few like plots or buildings that I walked to and from, and I just had no idea of like all oh, like the kind of beauty around me. Yeah, and then cross country, I really started to realize that of just all like the surrounding hills like the whole area is just so nice yeah man Ugh, i can't wait to i love kenya so much it's so weird to think of like how long i've not been there and for two years it was like my whole world and now right, it's just right. so strange and i haven't yeah. ever like lived in mercersburg until this year so it's just weird it's so weird i feel like i've gone back to high school honestly just like <laughs> Because cause I'd never been as social as I was at Kenyon. Like, high school was this for me, basically. Like, sitting around, watching movies, kind of like, you know, just spending a lot of time alone trying to do stuff. Just doing stuff I like. That's kind of how I grew up. I never really had, like, a big circle of friends. I didn't, like, you know, go do things socially, really. I mostly just, like, watched movies and learned about the things. Just, like, went where my mind wanted to go. And I'm kind of like, that's such a beautiful thing when you're like in high school or younger, you know? And as I get older, I'm kind of worried about it. Like I, I'm like, kind of get this feeling like, am I as passionate about this stuff as I once was? And that kind of scares me a little bit sometimes. Cause it's like, I'm just watching these movies now because, or that not necessarily, but part of me is like, just because I'm, I'm, I love movies. I know that. So I'm just going to keep watching movie after movie. And it, I feel a little numb a little bit, but you know, every movie, it's its own thing. But like, I kind of like, I don't know, like I, I, what's the word? Like, you know, I'm like trucking through it. I'm just like pushing through, like huh. watch all these movies. And I try to like, Interesting. <clears throat> and it's not like they're not worthwhile. Like I love, I fall like deeply, like when I watch a good movie, sometimes I'm like, this speaks to me personally. I'm like, I'm totally in love with this. And this is like having a big profound change on my life. But other times I watch a movie and it's like, this is really good, but it's like I'll just I'll just be able to kind of appreciate it, but not on like a super deep level. I'm just like this is you know this is a interesting, I guess, but not like it's kind of like a big process. And sometimes that's necessary for some movies. Like they're not supposed to be like the most enjoyable entertainment. They're supposed to be like you know a film, like a real art house kind of film. Yeah. But, but now it's like it's just like I've done I've been watching movies so much. I'm actually like I've like I was saying I've I've drifted away watching a lot of TV. I've been reading a little bit more which has been good too. But like uh the movie stuff is just like maybe I just need a break honestly. Cuz in yeah. April it's all I did. I watched like probably 50 or no, I watched like 70 movies in April. Damn. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I mean I feel like anytime start losing passion for something it's good to try something else and then it doesn't even mean you have to give up the other yeah. thing but like because i find that with a lot of i kind of go through cycles with creativity like i was doing i was painting a bunch of shoes and then i just got like really sick of like doing that and so now i'm doing drawings and like mm. I, I, it's definitely good to go back Mix and forth between different projects i used to be kind of like you know, suspicious of the uh, 
the kind of like I don't know when the the artists I like growing up were like either like directors, actors. I was like a big fan of all this kind of work, and I'd be suspicious of people who try to do it all like acting, directing, whatever, have a whole bunch uh, of things yeah. going on. But like that's you know more and more I'm like. Well, I'd be suspicious of that because I'm like, then then you're just like a jack of all trades, but like a master of none. I'm like, where, where's the fun in that? But some people really yeah. are, you know, brilliant. Like Orson Welles is can do almost anything, but but like I was just always suspicious of that. But now, like during this gap year, I kind of dive into different things. But this last like the month of May, I've been watching so much stand up comedy a lot due to listening to Mark Maron and Joe Rogan talk to comedians. So this month I've been actually getting into just actually the podcasting thing too. That's like what I'm doing. I'm just like, you know, being interested in something else that I probably would have never considered before. Cause I'm like, that's not my, that's not what I want to do, but it's just like fun to like, you know, it's definitely beneficial in some way or another. And. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to say that I tend to draw somewhat of a, a distinction between like, craftsmen and like creatives because you have you definitely have your your people that like really kind of fall in love with a certain craft and they master that and they they love that and they love doing it and it seems like they always love doing it and then you have other people that are like i think that the joy comes from just creating something new like you know when i think of like kanye or you know like a child oh, yeah. you know donald glover yeah like, he's another one who's good at like some yeah. of the things but like for them, it seems the joy is just uh, doing something new. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what I've yeah I've definitely come around to that idea. It's like, yeah. But I I mean they they both definitely get like a lot of criticism for it because like you know when Kanye first started doing the shoes it was like yeah you know what do you know about fashion? And then I remember also seeing a lot of like the earlier music reviews for Childish Gambino, which to be fair his music wasn't as good back way back, but they were still wait, like wait. criticizing him like. Which, uh, like, before, uh, what's it, before the internet one? What's the, what's that one? That one, I thought, uh, oh, because like of the internet. One? I because thought that was internet? actually a decent album. The one before that, I wasn't so sure of. What was the um, one before that? I want to say it was called Camp. Um, oh, yeah, with Bonfire. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I was not super crazy about that. But <laughs> I do remember seeing some of the reviews were, like, complaining, like, oh, like, he's, he was on, like, what, uh, Community, right? Oh, yeah, I love that show. That's probably the like, first introduction. Yeah. They're just like, oh, he's, he's a, or I think he wrote for 30 Rock as well. Oh, yeah, he did. He played Young Tracy Yeah. Yeah. But then the critique was like, why he needs to focus on this. But, like, mm. I think in the long run, he's definitely proved him wrong. Yeah. I feel like that criticism comes from just jealousy because that's definitely what I right. used to think. I was just like, damn, he can do everything. It's not it's not fair. But like, yeah, you know, he's a, a really great creative and what he produces is honestly like I loved it all. I remember he even had that stand up weirdo on Netflix. I was like, this is amazing. He's hilarious. Yeah, I, that was I think I saw some of that. That was good. So I, I like the little intro song that you had. Oh yeah, that was a part of Anchor too, like the the background music. It, yeah. it reminded me of a uh, like Jerry Seinfeld's yeah. show, Comedians and Cars. Was I felt like it was kind of <laughs> similar to that. Oh yeah, that show's got to be. That was one of my first. 
obsession interview obsessions like i love those interviews because that's like in between a talk show and a podcast almost because they're not really yeah you're right promoting anything they're just talking about life and i love that kind of you know they're just like joking around that that shows yeah that shows great yeah i i really hate the modern talk show yeah Um, i feel like it like the jimmies and yeah the Jimmy Colbert, who I like, like yeah, I like Colbert just, too, but it's not my favorite. The interviews, it's like they're rushing so much, and it's yeah. just like I think they're desperate for kind of like a quick laugh. I think like Joe Rogan substance. talks about that. I was just listening to him talk to someone about that, like how you only have like ten minutes, and like you can't really, you know, you have to like prepare going. Like I mean, right. the guests have to prepare what they're gonna say, and it's like all. Like, oh really? Yeah. yeah. You don't want to go out there. You can't just like talk and be yourself. You kind of got to get hyped up and like know what right. anecdotes you're gonna share or whatever. And then they're like cutting off the guests, bro. Like yeah. it's, it's annoying. It's interesting though because I was watching uh like the old uh, talk shows. I think like Dick Cavett or something. Oh, Dick Cavett. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, great. Um, he's he's. But it, mm-hmm. Sorry. It's interesting. Like they were just more. It's just calmer, like more time. Like you could pause in your sentences. Like there wasn't like a rush yeah. to like entertain the crowd at every single second. You know? Yeah, Dick Cavett's awesome. He would have so many. There's like amazing interviews he does, and they're really long. And there's a lot of like cool dialogues. He he's kind yeah. of like a mediator between people. That's that is a great. Like his interviews are great. <laughs> He's yeah. he's an interesting guy. He's like a very bland. You would think he's kind of bland, but he's like just great at like getting people to talk. You know, right, right. Another one. This is actually something I'm really interested in. Is um, well, he got like he's. I guess he's yeah. Me too. Is Charlie Rose? You know Charlie oh, yeah. Rose. Yep. Like he's yep. he's definitely canceled because there's like you know a bunch of horrible accusations against him. But I always love. I still like his show, not because of him, but just because like. There's an extended amount of time. He has a lot of interesting guests, and he would always—he'd even be annoying. Like I'm not like a fan of Charlie Rose himself because he's, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's like, you know, he's like whatever. <laughs> but you know, he he could ask questions, and he gave people a platform like to come talk about something for an extended period of time, and it it, it was always interesting. But right. he can't beat Terry Gross. Actually, you ever listen to Terry Gross? Fresh air. Yeah. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. My mom is uh, always always has NPR on. In the oh car, yeah. So Terry it. Gross is like the master of that kind of you know. Maybe like right. a fifty minute interview segment. She's great. Yeah. No, those kind of older the older forms of media are in a way kind of better because I feel like everything's getting faster and there has to be more and more stimulus. Like you think about like TikTok or Vine, it's like all getting. And then oh, even yeah. songs are getting shorter. Like, cause people just like, you gotta like <laughs> get to the point. Cause it's just infinite entertainment now. There's just no, yeah. If you're not bringing it, we'll just you know click away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, TikToks are not. I'm not, not liking the TikTok stuff. I heard you and Ben talking about TikTok. Did I say like something about like people are dropping out of school to pursue a, pursue a career in TikToks? Yeah. yeah, I read that somewhere. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, 
I mean, we really felt so old talking about that, talking about it like that. Yeah. In a way, it's really no different than dropping out. Like, I mean, now a YouTuber is a profession. Um, Or, you know, Instagram models. Like, so it kind of makes sense. But, like, I don't know. I think you're a little muffled. Are you, like, is there something? Um. Oh, wait. I haven't. Is it good? I yeah, I hear you better. Anything. Yeah, I hear you better, actually. Okay, okay, good. Um, yeah. Oh, speaking of late night show, I just wanted to say, you ever see the Craig Ferguson? You know him? Yeah. He, I feel like he's always flirting with people every time I Oh, really? <laughs> he's not on anymore, but I did like a lot of his interviews because he would just like, I, I don't know, I feel like he was very aware of, the ridiculousness of it and like made a, a good joke out of it. At yeah, least from yeah, what I saw. that's true. He'd have like awkward, not even awkward. He'd just have like silent. I, there was one in, I forget who was with, but someone came out and they just didn't say anything for like a few seconds. And they're just like looking at each other. And it's like, yeah, what, what, what are we going to say? <laughs> and I like that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I don't know, not trying to do, anything although i mean it is a performance like right now we're performing kind of but that's like why i'm interested in the podcast game is because you turn conversations into a performance so you can like kind of i don't know there's a purpose to it though we're trying to like communicate and learn something and have a conversation and so we're i guess in the back of our mind we're thinking about like how we're recording this but we're also like it's i think it's less about that and more about like just talking about something, just anything really, which is something like, I don't know. This doesn't, I don't know. I feel yeah. like that would happen at part. That's, this is what I love about like going to a party at college. You can just hop around and talk to people. That's why like, I don't like parties where you can't hear yourself talk. The music's too loud. Yeah, I like yeah. jumping around and talking to people and just like, you know, it, that's the best part. Honestly, I love that. Yeah. I think that is kind of like the appeal of, the podcast or like uh joe rogan i think that's i think it there's something like real about his discussions that isn't captured in like traditional late shows oh yeah definitely yeah he is uh he's yeah I, i'm a fan of joe rogan sometimes i'm like i don't know there's a lot to say about him but he definitely knows how to he definitely knows you know how to you know have a conversation and how to hold his urine you know because you never see him get, he never has to go to the bathroom it's like that's true it's always drinking something too sometimes too yeah it's they'll even be drinking beers or something i love this one with hannibal Buress, and they're just drinking beers together the whole time uh hannibal burris is he's great yeah i mainly just know him from eric andre He's, uh, yeah. kind of, he's just like standing awkwardly he's on the, the side. The best sidekick. <laughs> oh, he's great. Great stand-up comedian. You gotta if you haven't seen him do some stand-up, I think you should check him out because he's, yeah. he's really funny. Um, sure. I was gonna. Ask, oh yeah, I had. I was just thinking about this because we were talking about artists doing different things. One of the, I mean, like. Another guy like this, I think, is Bob Dylan. And I'm like, I'm obsessed with Bob Dylan. He's like one of my favorites. Yeah. But I think that's a lot of what he represents is like the ability 
or the desire to morph and not be restrained by any idea of anything. Like people would like call him a folk singer or a protest singer and he'd like, you know, be resistant to that and he'd kind of change his style and he'd change his albums, you know, go electric and be really resistant to being identified as any one thing. Even though he's like a musician, always he's like trying to change and I don't know, not be able to be defined as anything. And I always like that a lot. That's pretty cool. Right. And I think that's precisely what gives somebody like that longevity as an artist. Cause I think oh, yeah. what too often happens is that an artist, they, I mean, most artists have to work for a while, but they, they break through with a certain sound or style and then their careers are an attempt to replicate that style that got them uh, success in the first place. Yeah. But a guy like Bob Dylan, like, I mean, Kanye is a master of this. Oh yeah. I think they achieve longevity and almost somewhat eternal youth because mm-hmm. they're constantly reinventing themselves and pushing into different boundaries. And so, and then you, you, you get your fans who are like, Oh, I, I want folk Bob Dylan or I want old Kanye oh, yeah. or whatever. But like at the end of the day, they're, keeping it new and fresh and that's what allows them to stay relevant with time <laughs> whereas another artist is still trying to recreate their glory days yeah. you know from a decade ago yeah uh bob dylan got so much hate too you got to see this documentary called i know i've been meaning to watch it oh, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned it yeah the one on netflix there's like a three hour long documentary it was the, uh, what's his face uh who's the director martin scorsese that's right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, so good. About that. And people, there are like clips of people back in the sixties, like they're in black and white. It's, and, and they're just like, they go to the Bob Dylan show and they just hate him. And they're like yelling at him <laughs> and booing when he goes electric. Someone like yells out Judas. That's like an iconic, like moment in Bob Dylan's, like, you know, the career of Bob <laughs> Dylan is this show in England, I think. And there's like, right before he goes on stage, someone's like Judas. And then what does he say? What does he say? Ah, shit. I forget what Bob Dylan says, but, you know, he just is like, you know, he's doing his thing still. And he, he would also be still playing the folk songs, too. I think he'd be like one half of his show is folk, and then he brings out the band, and they, they get some electric music going. Right, right. Yeah. And, it, yeah, you see that with Kanye. It's like how many times you hear, oh, we want the old Kanye or whatever. Um, but, like, they're missing the point, the whole point of yeah being an artist is to do something new that was the point from the beginning as it probably was for bob dylan as well that's i feel like that's a little upsetting on some level at least a little bit because you're like what why are these these are my fans do they <laughs> what yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know it's still cool if you can get in touch with people who don't think like you that's that's the power I get, that this is what i've been thinking about too actually with all this stuff going on like um like the like how like the ability to change or like make it change and affect people i was thinking about like what role does art have in this and like to what extent can an artist like influence people who don't think like them to think in a new way like are they just speaking to people who already think a certain way like you know if you write a song like who's what song like are you gonna like change a really racist like Ku Klux Klan right. person with like a song or something or a book. Like, are they even like, who's going to read your book? Who's not like interested in learning or changing already. And it's like open-minded already, you know, that's, that's a really interesting question. And it's, but it's also kind of tricky because like, 
it's tough because you can't have it both ways. So you can't be like, okay, my music changes people for the better. But then, you know, if I rap about like violence, it's not making anybody violent. You know, like I tend to believe people don't really, music isn't going to change one's like outlook on a matter, but it might make somebody feel something. Um, that they might have not otherwise yeah. felt. I don't know. It's but it's hard because like, I I mean a lot of the critics of rap music are just like, oh, you know, it's they're rapping about violence and their lyrics are sexist and they're gonna make the youth sexist, drug addicted, hmm. violent people. And I'm just like, it's not that serious. Like, they're just you know they have to <laughs> rhyme. They're they they're constrained by you know sounding good as you wouldn't be constrained if you were writing a book or making a speech. And I'm just like, it's not, you know, that serious, but then you also want to like talk about it being powerful at the same time. I guess though, any good listener can kind of distinguish between a song that's intended to have, you know, a real powerful message versus one that's intended to just be like a party anthem that, you know, is meant to like dance to or have fun to. So, yeah. Yeah. Here's what I kind of like. I'm not, I don't know for sure. This is just like a theory, but like thinking that this kind of art, like the music and like literature and like the art is most powerful for like developing like kids really like in your younger years, like it's going to have the most powerful effect on those who are like currently growing up and like finding out what they're interested in and like, you know, seeing what they connect to and that's when it's most powerful when, when someone's young and growing up and not, you know, kind of making these discoveries, I feel like, because they're, they haven't like the younger you are, the less set in your ways you are and you're more open to change. I think so. That's definitely true. Yeah. I think, I think you're still pretty open. Like, for example, like I think like my first year of college, like I changed a ton. Oh yeah. But I feel like we're still pretty young. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like I'm, I'm guessing like this, event this whole pandemic will be like a a very important like identity form a a way of shaping people's identity who are like around our age you know of like the Mm -hmm. i guess we're kind of on the edge of like the millennial gen x generation yeah um but i'm guessing this will be like a very formative event in just kind of shaping people's outlook as you know like Vietnam was for a different generation or yeah I don't know like the, maybe the Beatles like <laughs> you know like <laughs> the there's always like that event I'm sure 9-11 was probably like that for a lot of people oh um, yeah I was just thinking about that in a new way recently like because I was listening I, I was just listening to people talk about like the aftermath of 9-11 I've never really put myself in that place before imagining like after that happened like the tense the tension probably felt like things were like shut down in New York too. Like living in New York must've been insane. Like right after nine yeah. 11. Oh my gosh. It's interesting though. People talk about it in like a fairly positive light. Cause it was like a time of unity or, or relative unity. Yeah. Like in, in that Bush's approval rating went way up. Oh yeah. Um, and apparently there was like a, a sort of sense of like camaraderie amongst like the people of New York that hadn't existed before. Um, cause they'd all like kind of been through this thing, which is in a way why this pandemic feels like just like the most like depressing, like mm-hmm. sad sort of like sh- world shifting event. Cause it's not like we like overcame something or like did something cool to bring us together. Actually kind of the opposite. We're like literally 
the thing we're supposed to do is stay apart yeah. and we're just kind of existing in like nothingness but uh, I, I already kind of went down that that road <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh shoot wait i just had a i had a thought it's it's fleeting it's gone what was it no yeah actually no th- this is what i was gonna say that um I think in in naming this, like I'm calling this podcast, "Living in the Twenties." I think a lot of it yeah. it's about that, like this cool change. Ha- not cool, but like, yeah. you know, this is a big change, and the, uh, you know, it'd be cool to document it in this way. I thought I was like, this is like a a, a time to do something like this. Maybe you're um, right. Yeah, and it's it's like, also a it's a nice play on words. I thought about because it's. 20s as in the year and yeah. then 20s as in our age that's that's our and then it's yeah that's the cool thing you're, you're starting it that's the cool thing about us we can say we were born last millennium like yeah <laughs> i was thinking about that. that that's gonna be really cool like actually maybe it won't be because we're gonna be living for much longer and but even then eventually it will be cool to say i was born in 1997 last millennium whoa you're old man <laughs> Oh man! Oh, I hope I can be a very old man. Like some people, you know, I feel like I've encountered a lot of people who, like, you know, are okay with like dying young or dying like, you know, not. Well, of course, it. it I guess it would suck to die in like a hospital bed and or like in an old folks' home without your friends. But if you have a family and stuff, if you can live to be like ninety and maybe get hit by a car or something like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I tend to believe people overvalue living long mm-hmm. and that we've, I, I mean, I could go on a whole rant about this, but yeah. I think people view death. Now they view death in a way different than they viewed in the past. And that death is seen as like a, a problem. It's something that must be solved or overcome at all costs. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, what's going to happen, or what you could argue is already happening, is that the effort to overcome death actually leads to more suffering than death in and of itself. Shoot, what were we... What were we... Were we talking about something that I cut off when it when I lost it? We were talking. Oh yeah, we were talking about. Uh, I was just going on my rant about how people overvalue living long. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Like, I, I mean, I'm on board with the idea that it's more important to live like a, a full life. And you know, it's tragic if someone dies young. But, you know, not everyone gets to live as incredible a life as some people, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing I think about. Like, I love all those, you know, all the guys or like the the people who die young and you're like, they could, what, what, what have they done? Like Heath Ledger is the Joker. He died like when he was 29 and you're all like, what, what would he, he become? Or like all the things he could have done. But also his legacy is probably like, incredibly stronger because he died so young i guess that's yeah well that's a whole other 
topic, which I've always been a little curious about, is how people become so much more appreciated when they're dead, yeah, and what that says about people. And I don't, I don't know. Like, is it because like they're not posing any sort of threat when they're dead, so then we just take them for all the good they did? Like, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's. It actually sometimes bothers me a little bit when you're living, you know, you have a lot of detractors and people trying to weigh you down. And then like the moment you die, it's just like, oh, it's like they forget about all that. And yeah. they just try to like praise you. Hmm. Um, and I noticed that with, with like a lot of rappers, like, mm-hmm. like you didn't care about this person when they were alive. Like, why are you so right. big into them now? I just think- like, um, yeah, yeah, I get that. I'm also I'm interested in that because of like the the myth it kind of creates, though. Like, there's something yeah. like there. I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know what to think about myths, but they're definitely interesting. Like mytholo- mythologizing kind of, or like just being an icon. Like James Dean was yeah. such an icon, and he died in that car crash before he like made three movies, and it was like, I don't know. He's such an icon. I'm just like that's just an incredible thing to have happened for him to become such a thing after death, you know, it's just like watching that all kind of, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, yeah. Uh, it could be a number of factors. It could be, you know, you don't know what you have till it's gone. Yeah. It could also be like when one dies young, it's almost like they're um, kind of immortalized in their youth. Like they're, they're always, they'll always be remembered as like the young person in their prime. Whereas when they grow old, you kind of see their decline. Like, yeah the artist puts out the bad album and you're like, uh, or like, you know, the athlete, you know, eventually loses their athleticism. So it's less exciting, but I don't know. There, there could be something else to it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. You gotta preface all this stuff with like, I don't know anything. True. But also like, I know more than some people, you know, <laughs> some people. Yeah. Are, like, I don't know. You know more than you once did. That's also true. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And I'll know more someday in the future. Yeah. Hopefully. I won't forget stuff, get amnesia or something. Yeah. Ugh. You know, uh, my, I think, I'm not sure, but I'm, I like to tell myself my favorite actor of all time is Philip Seymour Hoffman. You familiar with his, his work at all? What are some of the big movies? Uh, he played Truman Capote in the movie Capote. He was in... Uh, no, what am I going to play? I can say a lot of movies like Boogie Nights, Magnolia. Have you ever seen those? Mm, uh, the Master. Like older, is he like an older... Well, he's, he's one of those guys who's dead now. He died in 2014 at the age of, I think, 48. So relatively uh, young. But he had a... He had like a, a great career, you know, before he died, but he still died, you know, pretty young. And I think it was a heroin yeah. or an opi- opioid thing. And I remember when it happened, it was in 2014. And I was just like, he was already probably my favorite actor then. I was just like totally wrecked. I was just like, geez. Yeah. Man. But he's, I don't know, he's another one of those guys where it's like now that he's dead, so many people remember him as like such a legend and like i wouldn't have like because he's one of those guys who's like 
supporting most of the time in his career. He's not usually a star, although there are a couple of them, like the Capote one. But he was like just this incredible presence, and people will go back, and he'll have such a small role in the movie, and people will be like, wow, he's so great in that. You know? He just right, like, right. shines. And you just like from looking at him, you know, he doesn't look like, you know, he's like a, you know, not too tall, like plump guy, but he's like an amazing actor and he's done so many different things. It's like I've gotten older, like after he died and watched more of his movies and discovered more of his work. And it's just like, wow, he's constantly full of surprises. He's definitely one of the the best. Yeah. Man, acting. Do you have any interest in like the the like? Do you think of acting as like an art form? I've thought about that. I think it. I mean, it definitely is. Yeah. Though I, I sometimes struggle to like quantify the greatness of an actor, just because it's. I don't know. I definitely think of like the writers and the directors as more of the creators and. Mm -hmm. But then again, I also I've never acted, so I don't really know. But I've I've always yeah. wondered that question, like, okay, would would this have move would this movie have been as iconic if you had switched out the actor? And oh, like, yeah. I don't. I think it probably depends on the role. Like, I feel like people maybe give like Heath Ledger a ton of credit because like it seems that he brought something like unique to that role oh, that otherwise yeah. wouldn't have been there. I think. But he, then you wonder about yeah. other movies if it's like anybody or any not anybody, but you know, any like good actor could have been just as good. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, Heath Ledger's because it was surprising and it was like, I think it was like, like no, well at least in like movies and TV shows of Batman, no one ever seen a Joker like that. And right, no one right. expected Heath Ledger to bring that to the role. And like, I don't know. Have you watched The Dark Knight recently? Because God, I have. I watched it very. Recently. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, me too. I watched it like two weeks ago with my brother. We love that movie, but like. Oh, I don't know about you, but like I get goosebumps just the beginning of that movie. It's amazing. I don't know. It's still, yeah. it's still the one of the scene, most yeah. exciting things. I love it. I love like the zooming in of the like Chicago, you know, skyscrapers, and oh, what a great opening. That's a great movie, honestly. Like, there's a bunch of plot holes in it, but it's it's yeah. <laughs> magnificent still. Yeah, but yeah, you you definitely get the sense that his performance was unique and like just inspired and then yeah. you also you know you can read about like the backstory of it and how yeah. some of it was kind of like improvised and whatnot oh yeah you hear about some of those performances like that yeah when actors bring like that's there's the, like so, like what you're saying about actors writers versus i mean directors and writers versus the actors there are a lot of the best directors and writers writer directors ever who will be like the actors like paul thomas anderson who collaborated a lot with bill Sumer. <clears throat> Hoffman actually he'll say like the actors are everything like to him huh. like he finds the actors like he has to have empathy with the actors he really um like I don't know he highlights that he or you have to have sympathy with the actors and understand their process because the actors are everything to him they're like probably the most important part of his movie because on you like I feel like we forget about it but like actors need that magnetism like Heath Ledger just watching him, you can't take your eyes off him when he comes in as the Joker. Like, yeah, he's doing little things. Like, there's a lot of subtlety in acting. I think that just you right. know, goes into the atm. It's like the atmosphere, creates the atmosphere. We don't even notice it, but like, I don't know. Yeah, 
I think you're I think you're right, and I think I probably having never acted wouldn't even appreciate the subtlety. But like I, I know that for things I do know like music, like there's certain things that when you try to make it, you realize like how good some of like the real rappers are. Because like mm-hmm. you know you listen to rap, you're just like oh you're just saying some words on top of a beat, like it's not yeah. that hard. And then oh, you yeah. try to rap and you listen to yourself back and you're like what. You like, gotta I bring flavor. Like, you gotta bring exactly. flavor. Exactly. Like, I'm not. It. You're like my voice is so monotonous. Like I don't have any emphasis in my words. Like it. Where then you listen to like somebody like you know like I used like Lil Wayne in like 2008. Like he just had like this like emphasis in his voice and like hmm. the way he like bend words that was just like so unique and so incredible. But like if you had never tried to rap, you might like Lil Wayne, but you might not appreciate like what he's doing you know yeah. and it's pro- probably the same goes for acting like you were just saying yeah in your uh i don't know which song all, all the songs really but i think what was the first one on the single was it sometimes some yeah yeah on the sometimes? new ep it was sometimes yeah yeah and was there you were talking about like what were what was the the lyric that was like talking about the posts that were misrepresentative or something Oh yeah, it was. Um, I'm blanking on a specific lyric, but it was yeah, like just about posting. I was like, yeah, that's like, pictures. Yeah, that that's. I feel like that connects to a lot of like. I mean, that's a part of your like thematic kind of thing. I think like, I feel like you're about that a lot about like the uh, or undermining the social media like that kind of like. I don't know, undermining like pointing out. I don't know that just rung true, you know, like. Yeah. And they're all blending together. I just listened to all three of them, but like you had like a kind of, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't, I haven't listened to them enough to really like think I understand what they're about really. I I haven't paid attention to like every little word, but there was definitely like a longing and like a definitely huge, like kind of melancholy. Would you use that word? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. And for sure. I don't know. Some of them just felt like kind of broken-hearted a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I think that that definitely would sum up the theme. I think the most recent EP was kind of an attempt to cope with, uh, you know, school being over and kind of this world that I had occupied for the last four mm-hmm. years ending. And it's oh, all yeah. kind of about the lack of permanence and our world today like i mean nothing is permanent everything's always changing that's been true of all human societies since the beginning but in our current world it's like we're constantly switching groups it's just like you know you go to this high school then mm-hmm. or you go to this middle school and you go to this high school for a little bit then you go to college then you're a freshman you meet some seniors those seniors graduate you don't talk to them again and it's oh, like at the yeah. max you're with people for three years and nine months in college mm. then you graduate then you go your separate way then you get a job here then you switch out it's just like we're constantly switching groups and yeah. i feel like that is responsible for a, a kind of emotional suffering and mental health issues and i think a lot of the music i make is kind of an attempt to cope with that interesting yeah because that's like i mean we're still also pretty young i i guess we haven't really found out who our you know our lifelong friends are going to be you know, yeah. like, I guess that kind of comes out with time, but I feel like, like that, I, I just, yeah, I'm, 
I think about like, yeah, I, it's always upsetting, you know, when people come and go from your life. I, at least for me, I take it really like, I don't know. It makes like, I don't know. I, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, for me, I feel like I was, became a little more acutely aware of it all because I, I went to three different high schools and so I transferred oh, yeah. around a lot. And like, I just became very much aware of like how, quickly relationships fade even like good relationships where you're just like you know you think like oh we'll stay in touch we'll meet up blah 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 and then like two years down the road you haven't talked to this person in 14 months and you probably never will again and it's just like i've seen that happen to so many relationships that i because people bullshit a lot they're they're like you know oh yeah man we'll like meet up like you know pretending as though they'll keep the relationship and then the plans never materialize and you just kind of drift apart. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of my music deals with that. I think the last EP, especially just cause everything's kind of coming to an end. Yeah. But then at the end, hopefully, well, I, you know, I don't know cause I, it feels like it's the end of the world, but at the end of it, there's a new <laughs> beginning uh, of something. So hopefully, you know, you can build something out of nothing. Yeah, know. that's true. I mean, I guess I'm more of just a pessimistic person in general. No, yeah. I'm just kind of like tired of new beginnings just because I'm also like very introverted. So it takes me a while to like loosen up with people. So it's like, yeah, I don't too. like oh. the stage. Some people are like, you know, extrovert. They're like, oh, I get to meet a bunch of new people. Yeah. Like, no, nah, I, I like to meet people and then like just be around people I'm comfortable with. Yeah. I'm not trying to meet a whole bunch of people. Yeah. I can't decide honestly for myself about that. Like, well, I think I'm introverted, but I do enjoy meeting people. At least there's an excitement in meeting people, but like there's definitely so much anxiety and it's so hard. Yeah. What, what you're saying. Yeah. It's hard to like become yourself around new people. I mean, it takes time. It definitely takes time for me. And, uh, Actually, on that, I was also thinking about this. The coronavirus definitely, since this whole thing started, I feel like I got in touch with like, well, I got in touch with you again. You know, I haven't been in touch with you like all year, and so many other people, like right. uh, Tommy Johnson and I. We we've been texting more since the coronavirus. I I mean, like we never texted before, but now we we text frequently. You know, and that's kind of. A cool thing about coronavirus i i've been telling people when i when we're like sometimes if we're in a group zoom like it's like i would be talking to you guys if you were still in school you know <laughs> I'd, I'd be like by myself and you guys would be back in school but now that everyone's like trying to connect over the internet i can just jump in and like be a part of things again that's true i guess in your position yeah it's, a, it's definitely kind of worked out well for you in a way and I do feel like for everybody, it's the the coronavirus has definitely forced me, and I'm sure many other people like actually like get better with online relationships. But yeah, I mean, it still is overall somewhat depressing. Yeah, like, it's not the desirable kind of thing. Like you yeah. would want to be like, like I would just look, like my dream is like to move somewhere and be a part of a community like every day. Same, you know? That's that's exact. I think people really need a sense of communal belonging and i think that's lost in the modern world because our, our community is just too big like i mean the country is just there's no such i don't know i think national identity is all kind of 
faulty and fragile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's where people derive purpose is just serving like a, an actual community. Yeah. I want to be a part of a scene, you know, like yeah, like a like the uh, DC music scene or something, like New York comedy scene, you know. This show I've been watching lately called Crashing is all about. I don't know if you ever heard of it, the comedian Pete Holmes, maybe. Uh, wait, no, I, I I have heard of Pete Holmes. I think he had like a show on like TBS or something. Yeah, yeah, he's had some shows, but this uh, Crashing on HBO is like a fictionalized version of like you know it's like Seinfeld or something, but for his, but it, it, unlike other comedian like sitcoms, this one is all about him becoming like a stand-up comedian in new york and a bunch of comedians play themselves and he's like starting at open mics and he goes to the comedy cellar and meets all these people and it's like all about that kind of community and i'm just like this is so cool he gets to hang out with the other people who love doing what he likes to do and he starts to become friends with like his idols you know it's like it's amazing yeah. like story it's like good for this guy you know he's chasing his dreams and stuff's happening and it's it's a cool show. I t it took me a little bit to get it because Pete Holmes isn't exactly my kind of humor. I can respect respect his jokes, but I, he's not my favorite comedian. But like, it's definitely a good show, and it grew on me. Uh, but yeah, that's like the dream to go be a part of a scene like that. Like, a scene, yeah. yeah. What are you thinking? You want to do now that you like graduate? What's like the plan? Next plan for you? <laughs> um, the plan. So in a, in a weird way, the quarantine is actually somewhat beneficial to me now. Like it, it sucked missing the end of school, but now it's like I find I have less pressure to find work immediately. Mm -hmm. So I think I want to take the summer to like really improve my skills as like in kind of just every artistic facet and just like really get a bunch of beats done, get a bunch of work done. Um and then I think I'll, I'll probably try to get some like crappy job, like not like a, a real serious job. Like, Oh yeah. That's necessary know, some, like, for the manual labor. Yeah. Or like something. Yeah. <laughs> but tell me to make some quick money. And then I'm, I'm obviously fortunate enough to be able to live at home and not have to worry about like paying for housing and food. Yeah. Do that. Um, and then I think I'll probably at some point try to just send it and go out to like LA or yeah. somewhere like that. And I'll just, see you there. You're, you're about to be out there? No, I mean, like, I don't have any set plans, but after college, hopefully, I want to go to Los Angeles and live there. It and, sounds miserable because, like, I went to L.A. once and I really hated it. Yeah. It, like, just wasn't, like, a nice city at all. And then also, I feel like it's just you can almost feel the desperation in the air. Mm -hmm. Just, like... <laughs> but there are a lot of scenes there. I mean... That's true. That's what we're talking about, like that's where like the artists like the people pursuing something you know the people who want to be creative probably you know yeah no definitely um they're in new york but, or something yeah that's true I, I also just i hate cities but i figure yeah. you know like i have to send it when i'm young in my 20s because i was i was thinking about it and it's just once you hit 30 it's just like especially like right doing like rap music it's just it's like it's <laughs> over for you at that rapper, point yeah like you gotta use your like the 20s is the chance you have to like mm -hmm. kind of explore and try something that's probably you know unlikely to succeed and so i figure i'll have to send it at some point and then if that doesn't work out like i have no idea where i'll what i'll end up doing because i'm really 
pretty terrified of working a normal job. Oh, yeah. Oh, me too. I feel like teaching, I don't know, teaching actually scares me. But that's like the one thing that's like, like, yeah, I if I'm not going to pursue something creative or something, I'd be like, teaching's not bad. A lot of teachers. Yeah, teaching, I, there's some, definitely something that sounds nice about it. Though I, I wonder if, if at some point it'd be like, you have to teach this thing, and then you have to teach it several times a day, yes. and then it becomes, you're teaching the same thing several years in a row. And I just feel like at some point, I, I just wouldn't be able to handle that. Yeah. But I think there's definitely, I feel like working with kids is probably really rewarding, and kids probably have a sense of like... And if you're teaching something, I mean, I know you're not a big book guy, but if you're oh, someone true. who likes <laughs> books and are an English teacher, you know, I think... I've had teachers like that who's like enjoy teaching English and like that kind of thing, you know, and rediscovering the book every year or something like that could be its own kind of fulfilling this, like getting to really bond with a book, teaching it every year, you know, like good literature probably should, you know, you keep peeling away at it. It keeps giving, you know? Yeah, I guess that's, that's a good way of looking at it. I wonder at what at what point at what year teaching the book are you like screw this book I'm sick of it. Well, yeah, then you can change it up. Like, there's just so many books out there. True. I guess it also depends on like you know probably some school systems have more strict. Yeah, that's than why. Yeah, you don't want to go. Like, I don't. Know. I've never gone to like a public school. My parents always taught at private schools. I've always been lucky to go to private schools, and usually there, you know. <sighs> It's not very strict. Like a lot of teachers get to choose what they teach, you know. Uh, yeah. But actually, I think in a lot of cases, private school teachers don't get, you know, as much. I hope this is right. Don't get as much money as public school teachers. That's what. Yeah, I don't think is. they do. Yeah. And then you also have to wonder, like, who, you know, who are you serving? Like, if you want to help, you know, the more like disadvantaged kids, then you probably want to teach in a public school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you have to weigh, there's yeah. definitely pros and cons to each. Yeah. Pros and cons to everything. Yeah. But, uh, lately I've been like, I'm like kind of a, it sounds terrible because it's not like the same kind of struggle. It's not, I don't know the struggle of like pursuing, you know, your dream as an artist is not like it's not like a struggle that's like the worst struggle ever. It's kind of appealing to me. It's like, I don't mind going and living in like some shabby apartment. Like that's not, not even really that much of a struggle compared to yeah. a lot of things. But if I'm lucky enough to go pursue something like that, like I don't really care about the conditions or the time, as long as I get to do something I like, like that would be awesome. Like right. anything like that. Yeah. And if I'm around people too, who like the same, like, like going and like I've always been interested in acting. I haven't done a lot to pursue acting, but like to go and like become a part of like a stage company or something or a theater and just be around people and creating something you enjoy. That just it's it sounds incredibly just awesome to me. That's just sounds like the best. Yeah, it does. I you know I, I feel like I've been too solitary in my creative pursuits, and I'm just. Oh, me too. Me too. I feel like I, I think I'd find a lot of it more enjoyable if I was like creating stuff with other people. Yeah, but something to look forward to at least. 
Yeah. Um, but I don't know. This is probably going to sound like bragging, but I just, I often feel like the people I've been around, you know, just like at Kenyon, like they don't really match like my passion oh, for yeah. it. Yeah, I hear And it. so it's like, like, uh, you know, like, cause I, I've really been trying to grind with like the music and stuff. And like, I, I met yeah. a lot of, a few people that did music at Kenyon and like some of my best friends and like, I don't, I, I still love them, but like, I feel like they're, they just weren't like into it as much and they weren't as like driven. And so like on the music side, well, like, we're still hanging out, but like on the music side, it wasn't quite gelling together. It will. I heard the podcast. You think I'm not driven? <laughs> no, I'll call him out right now. <laughs> if, if a guy named Fred ever listens to it. Get get in the studio and start making some beats. No, Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't even think I'm driven enough. Like, I'm so lazy about a lot of stuff, but I definitely, like, I hear what you're saying. Like, Kenyon is a small school. A lot of people doing a lot of different things. A lot of people yeah. have hobbies when they're going to, like, you know, they're studying something. Maybe they, you know in the sciences or have a different career ideas, but have other hobbies, you know, not dedicating as much time to artistic pursuits as you. And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. And then there's also differing, different fields of like, like Vince, my roommate from this past year, Mm -hmm. like brilliant musician and like worked a lot, but we were just working on like different types of music. And so it was kind of like, we didn't end up working together as much. Um, and that's part of my problem too, is like I do a lot of different genres, but I also have like very, the way I create is like, I have a very kind of clear vision in my head and then it becomes uh, a matter of executing that vision as opposed to kind of like a free flowing creativity where I'm just going with the flow and like doing whatever. I think I'm like definitely the type of creative that kind of just makes myself miserable <laughs> and creating but yeah. it is what it is that kind of uh so what you were just saying about a, a there's kind of a price to pay you're saying you're that kind of creative but like it's hard to imagine like i feel like that's that's everyone's got to pay some kind of price to produce something that's true. you know that's true um if it's gonna like, be uh, I heard about, like, yeah, like, uh, but I don't know. Some people seem to be more, like, free-flowing and, like, loose and, like, oh, like, uh, yeah, let's just um, do this or, like, or they'll do, like, one take of, like, a verse and they're like, oh, that's good. Put it down. (laughs) Like, I tend to have, like, a super, like, kind of clear vision of what I want my song to sound like or what I want. Like if I'm doing visual art, like I, I know that what it looks like in my head before I start. And then it's like kind of a painstaking effort of like trying to execute that. So like for certain songs, I'll record like the same thing, like dozens of times and it becomes like pretty exhausting. Yeah. But it's like the Stanley Kubrick. Uh, I was that going to say, yeah. Yeah. yeah that you know, that's Shining, one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh yeah. Um, Great. And like I don't know, I've heard some stories or seen like some behind the scenes stuff with that. That seems like an insane oh, so like undertaking. Mm. That's that's interesting. Um, you know, the person who plays Wendy, uh, Shelley Duvall. Yeah. 
you know, she, you know, it does not look fun for her, but she's uh, in like a contrast between Stanley Kubrick and this other filmmaker, Robert Altman, who uh, still uh, Shelley Duvall just coincidentally worked with both of them. She worked with Robert Altman a whole lot, but Robert Altman's the kind of guy who's probably very different from that Stanley Kubrick style. He's also a great director, but he's more free. You know what we're talking about? Like right. the free flowing kind of guy. He'll have like a bunch of actors kind of, conversing um in a you know improvising and he'll he was a revolutionary guy because he would just record everyone's conversations on top of each other and it'd be like you know you walk into a room full of people and you can hear all the stuff because usually in movies they'll just record the actor's voice and like tune out everything else like put in all the sound effects later but he'll record like overlapping conversations constantly and just have these scenes that just like kind of drift he always in a lot of his movies the camera's always moving ever so slightly and there's always just kind of a loose drifting kind of feeling and it's like it, it, it's really neat his movies and he's a guy uh, yeah he's just he, he his movies just yeah there there's something else uh that is interesting yeah but i love his style cuz also because behind the scenes like i watched a documentary about him recently like he has a real he just seemed like a great guy. He had like a real sense of community around his films. Like he worked with Shelley Duvall a lot and all these other actors. He had like his own kind of company who would always work on the movies with him. And it was like a family. He'd host a lot of parties. He was a big pothead hippie kind of guy too, but still produced amazing movies. I mean, they're not, he's not like Stanley Kubrick. His track record is not great. I mean, he'd have some flops, but he'd also have some, classic brilliant ones consistently over like a 30 something year career he had a lot of good movies well yeah i remember seeing behind the scenes like shelly duvall like her hair was like falling out while filming and like he was like getting on her case and then they did like the scene with like the bat like 127 takes or something oh my god i can't i can't imagine doing that kind of filmmaking honestly for even i mean all the greatness of a lot of stanley kubrick movies i'm like that's not the kind of stuff i'd be interested in a lot of more than not i think a lot of filmmakers enjoy like and crews like are able to have a good time like igmar bergman who's like the famous swedish director known for making really melodramatic like heavy kind of stuff people ask him like how do you like make such heavy movies like the only way you get away with making like these you got to be like laughing all the time in between it to keep it light or something before you just get too depressed making this movie so that they're able to have fun between it they don't have to like get in a certain mood i mean that's where the acting comes in i get you got to know what you're making but you doesn't you shouldn't like not let yourself have fun while you're doing it like quentin tarantino does that thing too where he we love making movies or something like you know, appreciate what you're doing because like what an amazing job that is. If you're lucky enough to make movies, like that's just playing around make believe, you know, honestly the stakes are not like super high. I mean, you're not like someone's life is depending on you. Not really, unless you're like doing some yeah. crazy stunts. But. That's interesting. That's definitely a, a certain approach. And I tend to take the opposite approach, which is just, I don't know, like, if, I, if I'm if i doing a sad song, I generally try to get myself in, like, a sad mindset. Yeah. Which is, like, uh, like for this past album, I went through, like, all the uh, past uh, 
I went through like a lot of old pictures and stuff to try to like uh, get nostalgic and stuff. Interesting. And like definitely kind of, I mean, it was definitely effective in changing my mood. But I could see the other way because you know you want to be, you want to like what you're doing yeah. to create something good. So I could see how there could be both ways could be effective. Yeah. But also with movies and stuff like that, a lot of it's re creation and just like getting in well i guess yeah like that you you have to get in contact with like the past i mean you're like your emotions from the past like that's like what is that the method actor strands yeah yeah you know you're you're taking these heavy emotions you've experienced and bringing it to the scene so you gotta get in touch with it somehow you know and that sounds like what you're doing too you know just getting in touch with the emotion and i feel like a lot of like I've been getting into like playing the the guitar and like writing songs, but like kind of folk songs. That's what I like. I like folk songs and stuff. So just like the acoustic guitar. And like when I write a song, it usually comes from a place of like, I'm really upset and emotional. So I'm going to write this song to kind of figure it out or get over it like as therapy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. That's definitely how I write a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not, I guess, talented enough to just like hop in the, start recording and just like channel all sorts of different stuff with a bunch of emotion just on command. Like I got to like yeah, mentally kind of prepare for it. But, you know, yeah. maybe there are some actors that are talented enough that they can just like snap into it. Well, you know? I think they go through like a whole if the, I guess, I, don't, I, I mean, you can't say, but like most actors have to go through like a lot of training to get to that kind of place, you know, where it's easy, you know? So it's just like a lot of work, you know, you got to work, do the work. Right. Which right. like, I don't know what that is exactly. Like, I don't know how acting teachers and students, the whole process, but I, I believe there's like a lot of studying that a lot of the great actors go through. Like they go to school and like take a bunch of classes and a bunch of different things. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting. It's cool. I think it's just beautiful that you can study something like that. Like you can study music and you can study acting. It doesn't all have to be like math and science because that's boring to me. But like, you know, it's great that you get to study cool things. <clears throat> true, true. But, I mean, then those jobs become so competitive because everybody wants to do them. That's, mm -hmm. that's the hard part of it. I think if you just, you know, love it enough and do your thing, you know, you have, if you can do your thing, do yourself, you know, hopefully that'll be fulfilling enough. Either you'll, it'll lead you to success or if you do what you love, you'll be satisfied. You know, I mean, you, I don't know, like not everyone's going to go become super famous, but I, what's the point if you're like, not doing what you love too. You have to do do it the way you want to do it. Not be a sellout or something, you know. Right, right. Well, yeah. I mean, but then there's the dilemma of, you know, if you sell out, then you can like still kind of do what you like because, and you'll have like resources. Yeah. And then yeah. if you're if you're too stubborn with it, and then you never you know, make any money off it, then you probably have to do some other job that you don't want to do. Yeah. And so it's like, it's kind of weighing like, okay, do I want to like 
uh, yeah. do a sellout option and kind of be a creator? Do I want to like do just me, but then have to do this other crappy job on the side? So you're kind of always weighing that dilemma. Yeah, actually, that's what the TV show I was just talking about, Crashing, about Pete Holmes, kind of deals with that. And like he, uh, they do this the NACA, the National like Association for College something like call it it's like they're doing comedy to get into colleges and do comedy but in order to do that they have to like compromise their act and make it less dirty and stuff like not like i mean talk about like the things that a lot of stand-up comedians talk about that's important to them because they're kind of like philosophers and like undermine a lot of things by making fun of like taboo things and that's a big part of being a comic and so they have to sacrifice that to like get a job performing at a college. And so Pete Holmes, his character kind of does that, but then his friend doesn't want to do that. And it's about like not selling out and sticking to like the act they like. And eventually like he does get a lot of gigs, but like he goes back to doing what he loves and he does have the work and experience under his belt. So I guess it is good. Like if you need to like get the experience to like sell out a little bit in order to do what you love, like, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like, kind of with my music, that's. I think in the near future, I'll probably try to go in the more like, making songs that are accessible. And I think the big thing is just trying to make stuff that's catchy and that has replay value, mm-hmm. and that people will be tempted to replay it and share it. That's oh, like yeah. the big thing. But in the long run, I I do have like these concept albums that I definitely will make at some point. Cool. But I'll probably wait because, like, I know that they're not the type of thing that's gonna like become super popular. But it's like the stuff I definitely want to make, kind of more just like rapping and more like detailed lyrical verses and stuff like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's awesome. So you have like a lot of ideas in the back of your head or in like in the bank, like. Oh yeah, I got I got them in the bank. I uh, around freshman year I started. Uh, actually, a little bit before that, uh, I was actually immersed when I first started writing. Well, at first I had to like brainstorm ideas because I had very little inspiration at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I kind of went, I was like very depressed freshman year, and that but that produced a lot of ideas. And so I would constantly have these ideas. And I started writing them down on loose leaf paper, and then I got organized around sophomore year, and I put them all into like categories on my computer. So I got a ton of stuff in the vault nice. of like ideas and whatnot, and a lot of them I've, I've kind of been waiting to execute. Nice, that's good. Yeah, I feel yeah, that's nice. One Are the, you? Have you? Do you write at all? Like yeah, I do write. I don't know. I try out a lot. I think you show me some stuff. Yeah, I've just I'm not con- I haven't been super consistent, but I do try and write like every day in some way or another you know most of it's just like i keep a diary journal kind of thing just like actually i i read this you ever hear of joan didion she's a writer she i read um her book slouching towards bethlehem and she's got a really cool it's just a collection of essays she has one essay on like journaling and it's all about how she journals and i think it really like was reassuring or inspiring to me because it was all about the way she kept her journals, her notes were just like certain feelings that she's trying to remember who she was in the past. So she's not writing like every single detail of every day, but like 
the feelings and the thoughts. And that's mostly what I do. Like I just collect a lot of things that run through my head and write it down without any real direction most of the time. But other times I'll be writing like, you know, try and write a song or like a plot for a, a story or a movie or something or um recently like i said i was like getting into all the stand-up comedy i start getting in my head like maybe this will be funny even though it's like stand-up comedy is hard because like you need to actually you know go make a fool of yourself i think before you can get you know you have to interact with a crowd so i it's yeah. like I don't know. I'm just. Man, I, yeah, I can't imagine doing that. That yeah. sounds. I never imagined difficult. it either. Honestly, that it's. I owe a lot to like listening to comedians talk about the process because it's been like inspiring to me to listen to so many comedians because it makes me think like, like the doors have opened for like what comedy can be. Like I used to think you need like this one kind of talent or something, but now I'm like, wow, like you can do almost anything, and it's like philosophizing philosophize but being a it's like just i don't know digging into like weird little ideas and and also like making fun of the absurdities of our reality and like trying to like yeah. say something interesting and so i'll i'll like try writing stuff like that but uh, what else like yeah that's mostly what i've been writing recently let me yeah yeah, just yeah. ideas. I haven't like stuck to any big long thing really, but I do have like outlines for a lot of movies and a lot of like not like movies, but like yeah, concepts for movies. Like I guess you're saying like concepts for albums. Like, I have recorded right. stuff like that. Right. Or just That's like good, little yeah. cinematic moments too. Sometimes I'll experience right, right. something and I'll be like oh and that's what I miss cuz like I've been so isolated it is inspiring to watch a lot of movies because it makes you think about what you can do with the medium. Cause like there are a lot of things you can do and a lot of like movies are all about like commuting, like all art is like communicating with the past art form. But like, I miss being at college because there's just, I felt more alive, you know, interacting with people going yeah. outside and doing stuff. And a lot of ideas can come that way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely get what you're saying. Um, or at least, and, and, and yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, like, at least the kind of movies I would want to make are like those kind of like, uh, I don't know, like more like, uh, you know, just people like hanging out and like doing things. Like, I don't know, like the reality, like a movie about like college students or something, or or maybe not exactly college students, but set in a college. I don't know. I can't really explain what i'm trying to um, there's a lot of like richard linklater if you ever see boyhood or something like that i have seen that yeah, yeah like boyhood that, that one's like on a huge scale but linklater movies are very like all about just people talking and stuff and yeah just, just like living life yeah yeah i like that kind of stuff and robert altman's like that. that a little bit too uh, yeah i felt i did like that movie no i felt it was almost too much like just living life and like yeah then it, i don't know it almost felt like what was it really about yeah but the, no there's definitely a value to it i i definitely really no, yeah. appreciate it the first and time, also i mean it was pretty like revolutionary the way they filmed it but, oh yeah the 12 um, span of 12 years yeah that's that's pretty insane going. yeah the first time i saw that movie i didn't really like it that much actually i was very 
like critical of it because I was in high school, like pretty young. And I just felt like, I don't know, maybe I connected to this kid on some level, but there were some things I was very critical of. And I was just like, I was like, this isn't, there were a lot of things I didn't connect to. And I was like, I don't like that because I'm like, this is, I don't know. I, I approached it kind of the wrong way. I was young, but I was like, this is like not what my life is at all. This isn't boyhood. This isn't experience. <laughs> and I was just jealous because he seemed to be like having some fun too when he was a teenager. I'm like, damn. I didn't get <laughs> yes. No, I get that though. Um, and yeah, I definitely, the inspiration can come kind of from anything and from anywhere. And yeah, you get like, sometimes I get the, broad conceptual ideas and then sometimes you just get those like really little mundane moments mm-hmm. that are good so like i've kind of in my vault i'll have like those the big ideas but then i'll have like the really little things also just like one-liners like yeah definitely it's good to write down everything yes yeah when you just write down everything it's it's easy to track you know it's good to go back and track things and then you can build on stuff too i yeah. like that and the mundane thing, like recently, I've loved the mundane. Like the mundane can be so cinematic. There are a couple movies I've been wa- I've watched uh, by this director named Kelly Reichart, and she's brilliant at just she tells extremely visual stories, not a lot of dialogue. They're really short and simple. This movie I just watched called the Wen- uh, Wendy and Lucy. It's about just like a woman and her dog, and she's in, I think she's like in Oregon somewhere in Oregon trying to go up north and she doesn't really have a home she's from indiana she her car breaks down she doesn't have a job and she's just kind of like homeless and like trying to you know head north but then she loses her dog and then it's all about her trying to find the dog again it's like a heartbreaking movie and really sad but it's beautifully shot and there's like so much in every that's the cool thing about like movies there can be so much in like a simple shot or an image right you know and it's all about kind of, I don't know, what is, I don't, it's like you can only describe it with the, the images because, you know, you can't really use words to describe it. But like, you know, following an image can give you like a whole new emotion, not necessarily right. good or bad, but it's like a very unique experience that is yeah. rewarding in some way or another. Right. Sometimes I, I feel like I don't have the... I'm not as much of I'm not as into movies and don't have like the appreciation for cinematography to appreciate some of those artsy films. That's why I still feel like I need like a more coherent plot sometimes. Like a man, I saw Manchester by the Sea. Oh, I love which that. Got super hyped up by critics, but man, I hated that movie. Oh that was just God. like that's was just Casey Affleck <laughs> just like drinking and like cursing at people. Oh and like, God. yeah, like, yeah. yo, that sucks. Your house burned down and your kids died. But like, <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I just no. didn't, like, I just didn't know. Like, I, I don't know. I just did not enjoy the movie because it wasn't clear, like, where it was going. Mm-hmm. But I could see, you know, if I had, like, a greater appreciation for cinema, like, how I, I might appreciate the more intimate moments. Just like how, in, you know, certain music, I, yeah. I'll probably appreciate things that other people would get bored by. Will. That was my absolute favorite movie that year. I knew it right when I saw it. I was like, no, that's my favorite movie. That was so good. I was crying by the end of it. I was like, this is so good. Oh, my gosh. I don't think I made it to the end, so I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it is a long movie. I, I mean, but I get it is one of those movies that's like, 
mostly visual, you know, not that much talking, you know. Yeah. But also there were parts in that movie that I thought were really funny. Like in the very beginning, Casey Affleck like is a repairman or something. There was something funny about that. I forget. And just, I don't know, I get into the performance of it and kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just. Well, people really like he won like best performance or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I get, I can see why people liked it. I just. But I get how, I because like it's on the surface, it's like, yeah, it's so, you know, it's not much, you know, he's not, I don't know. I don't know how he does. I don't know how actors do that because it's just, there's so much that has to be. It's like they couldn't even – they did not necessarily even doing anything, but they're just like a canvas for something. It's like there's there could be anything going on in there, but we don't know exactly what it is. He's just like giving us – I don't know. He's just giving us this performance and just hinting that there's something in there. You definitely know that he's like messed up over something for like half the movie, and you don't know what it is exactly. And right. I don't know. It is that is a shattering movie. Yeah, I, I don't know what it was. I, I guess I just don't quite have the patience for it yet. Um, there are definitely uh, there are a lot of albums that I think mm-hmm. require a lot of patience. Like uh, one of my favorite albums is uh, "Blonde" by Frank Ocean, and I feel like that's one. I mean, it's Blonde. actually it's become somewhat mainstream now. Oh yeah, but, I remember. I thought that was like a big deal when that came out. Right. Well, I guess yeah. Frank Ocean is like pretty big, and he doesn't drop that much music. But like, that's just like a yeah. I know. It's, yeah, it's a, actually, it's an album that's kind of like boring the first time you listen to it, and then the more you listen to it, you realize yeah, that those songs it's like, are great. Yeah, is it's Ivy like on really that good. Song? Ivy? What's up? Isn't Ivy on that record? Or... Oh my god, I love that song. That's so um, good. Yeah, but there's just so many good songs. It's kind of like one of those. It's not like about. It's just kind of like about everyday life in a lot of ways, and it's none of the songs are like that crazy, but like there's just like a a subtle beauty to everything there. Yeah, it just like um, kind of bursts with life, you know. It's just like yeah. this is made by a living like human with a voice, a unique sound, or just some, you know, like their vision is there, you know, and it's new, and it's like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's it, it. Frank Ocean is definitely he's something different from everything else, right? I mean, like it's pretty unique what he does. Right? Oh yeah, great storyteller. Also, just like I think a lot of a lot of being a good artist is observing, is finding art in situations where other people would just look past, and being able to like kind of. Be, I th- I feel like he and a lot of great artists are just very like observant of the human experience and they're able to like capture like subtleties and in, in kind of everyday things. Uh, and that, that album does a really good job of that. And like something like boyhood, like that movie. Yeah. Same, same, same thing. You remember the uh, scene in boyhood where they're staring at a dead bird, I think maybe in the beginning when they're, ve- he's very young. I think it's a dead bird or a squirrel or something. And, uh, I didn't think much of that like the first time I saw it. I was just like, okay, weird. But I rewatched it, and then I think I listened to someone talk about it. Like maybe I listened to like a lot of movie reviewer podcast kind of things talking about how that is like an important moment in like like a young child's life if they see like a dead thing and like barely have a concept of death and they're seeing right. like this right. thing half decomposed that used to be alive 
becoming a part of the earth or something like that's a profound moment and then after i listened to them talk about that i remembered when i was a kid and i saw like a dead squirrel that had been like flattened by a car or something and it freaked me out and it was interesting though like i'd never seen anything like that and i'd totally forgotten about that but it came back when i was like articulating this kind of moment in a certain way that i hadn't thought about it and then i was like oh wow that's like that's pretty deep or something that like resonated in a whole new way. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think that's a good way of putting it. That's a good example um, of, yeah, how, how uh, great art or great artists, like they, they notice those moments and, and then they'll get you to notice those moments as well. Um, yeah. I, I think that, that's a good, yeah. that's a good example. Yeah. That's kind of a thing that's like on the topic of social media, like everything's a big moment to be recorded. So it's, it's refreshing and important to have these little moments shine, you know, so we can enjoy our lives maybe a little more or appreciate it because most of our lives are small moments, but they're like, they play a big role in our lives. Like it's, I don't know. It's like if you go outside and just walk around, like that's like a big deal and i don't know like uh i don't know it's just appreciating you know being a part just going outside or just like being alive or just doing something you know trying to live each moment in a way that is rewarding is challenging and difficult but if you think about it a certain way maybe yeah. it gets a little easier i don't know yeah i was talking to uh nate i think about like best college memories and some of the best memories are like the kind of drastic experiences where you do something like unexpected and it's like one of those like crazy nights that you remember yeah but then like i was thinking about like in a lot of but a lot of the other great memories are just like the like really kind of normal mundane everyday stuff yeah like we were talking about like that feeling of when you finish a run and then you're walking up to the dining hall after the run and then you just like kick it at pierce for like an hour, maybe you like stay a little later than expected because oh, you have like a good conversation. That's, or that's the best. Like yeah, or like I, I was a, I'd always work on beats with like uh, my friend, and we like hit up like the market before closing. You're just like oh, yeah. walking on Middle Path, and like drunk Will Spone walks by, and you're like, what the <laughs> hell? And then <laughs> you just like run into like weird people, but you know, like mm-hmm. those mundane moments that those are oftentimes some some of the best memories as well, along with the, the kind of crazy moments. Um, but yeah, you do kind of wonder, you know, if you're on your phone all the time, it's like, you do kind of miss that because the, yeah. the whole point of the phone is to kind of eliminate the boringness of the mundane moments. But sometimes there's like beauty in those, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like waiting in line at the bank or something. You can go on your phone but before phones, like you're like, wait, people just used to wait in line, you know what? Yeah, man, that's. Um, I mean, we're we're sounding like hella old people right now, but there is some truth. Like, uh, you know, thinking back to being a kid, there was a level of because uh, I, I think you know what's kind of cool about our age. I mean, you're a little younger than I am, but I was thinking about this is that. I feel like I was definitely kind of on the, on the edge of the millennial Gen X mm-hmm. uh, generation because, like, I remember a time in my life before the internet, not before the internet, but before the internet was like 
a really big thing. Yeah. Before, and before like, social media Snapchat and Instagram. Before streaming. Yeah. Like there's a I remember the point in which there was definitely a finite amount of entertainment and stimulus. And so it was like it was kinda like, all right, SpongeBob just ended. Now there's nothing on TV. Like what are we gonna do? And like you have to you know, invent something to do. You have to find people, like physically like find people <laughs> like not just like text people yeah. and like kind of like come up with something to do and there's you know you'd get bored sometimes like there'd be times like you know like i remember like complaining to my mom like oh you have to take us somewhere because we're bored but like nowadays like you really just don't get even now like we're in quarantine like i mm-hmm. i don't really i've never really felt bored in quarantine like i felt yeah felt dull but yeah. i haven't felt like what am i gonna do like there there's always something you know yeah, I think some at some point in high school, I think there was a really important – I don't know what happened to me, but something – because I used to be – I don't know. Growing up, I was totally different. I was like really bratty, and I'd be like bored all the time. I'd always be like, I'm bored, and i just watch TV like all day. That's all I'd do, and I wasn't like athletic or do anything like that. And then at some point in high school, I something made me – maybe it was like – Actually, I really don't know, but I just decided like I'm not going to be bored anymore. I'm not going to let myself be bored because something happened to me. Some I forget exactly what, but it was just like maybe someone got through to me. And it's like it's up to you to be bored or not bored, you know, and I was just like I'm not going to be bored. I'm not going to let myself be bored. I you know have a whole world here. I don't have to be bored, and I think that changed a lot for me because I used to be like – I mean, yeah, I mean, I every, I feel like, you know, get depressed sometimes and, you know, get in dark places, but I stopped being bored and I started, like, using things to, like, build stuff. Not build, like, I, I felt like I was not wasting time as much then, you know, if I decided I'm not going to be bored, I'm going to, you know, appreciate things more. And something just clicked and I think things got easier and I felt better about life and as i grew up i think that helped a lot and whenever people would say they're bored or something i'd be like where are you talking we don't have to be bored like make something about it or like i don't know do it right. yeah but I, I yeah i feel like in the past though it's kind of like what you're talking about like you would you would get bored and then you would it would almost force you to be more creative oh yeah yeah whereas now it's like you can kind of fill the boredom with just yeah endless stimulus yeah. in a way that you probably couldn't have in the past mm-hmm. um because like i mean it's, it's it's really insane when you think about it the the amount of entertainment available now like there's just more Definitely. good shows good music good podcasts than good like interesting videos on youtube than you can possibly watch like yeah. it's just well it never was, ending i guess you know that stuff wasn't always there but there was always endless amounts of you know stuff like like books or movies, you know. Before. That is true. I guess you know back when we were kids. But, but now just they're just little... making more than ever. At this, you know, more is being produced than ever, and it's right. more accessible than ever. And, and it's know. also more like specialized. Like you got to think like in the past, you know, you maybe have like a show you like on TV, um, but it's like you know the show is only on at this point each week, and then oh, there's only a finite amount of channels. Now it's like you can find like the exact YouTube show or Instagram thing that matches you. And then it's also, there's no like a time limit. You yeah. can get it. You have access whenever you want. 
Yeah. Which it's in theory good. I mean that like that's how they're you know that's why it's successful oh, because yeah. it's it's like good in a sense, but it's also just there's something kind of addictive about it and you're left with less of the empty moments in which you need to be kind of creative to fill the time. Oh yeah. That's when yeah, you need to like have empty thoughts flowing around. That's why like I feel like sometimes the only time in my day when I'm like actually like yeah since high school like if i were just like taking a shower that's like the best place to think almost because there's nothing to do but like taking a shower and it's just like your mind wanders a lot of times falling asleep mind wandering and you get cool ideas and then you forget about it because you didn't oh yeah that sucks yeah but and that's the other good thing about running too is that running is just like a, a separate that's i think that's one of the reasons why i love it so much it's just that you're separate from everything else in your reality and it's just like your mind can drift nobody can call you on the phone like you're temporarily free from everything else you're dealing with in life yeah and especially just running with running with the boys that is that, oh, i miss that so much yeah i'm I, man i'm gonna miss that um that was always just like the nicest part of every day i felt like was just yeah. going down going for a run talking about something Will Spone drops a cold take. Gotta a cold argue take. with him. <laughs> That's something I always, I always felt on the periphery of that because when running in groups, there would be like a conversation, and I'd I'd never be able to get in on. I always felt like it was it was always hard. I don't know what it is about me, but I I I, I couldn't get in on like a group conversation. Sometimes I felt like I had no <laughs> nothing to offer really. But it was always cool to listen to, like, uh, yeah, yeah, stuff going on. And if you're running with just someone else, actually, I have a lot of good memories of, like, running with just one person and talking to them, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what sucked. I was injured this year, and, like, that was just, like, a big thing. I, I like, felt it missing in my life. It was just that it was kind of just, like, a stabilizing force in my life, just every day going down, mm-hmm. going for a run. Definitely. like mentally and physically just like a very beneficial activity so much though yes and but there's so many days where i went down there and i just hated i think i gave into this a lot towards the end of my sophomore year just being like i i started not running as much i think because i just i wasn't as good as my freshman year and i wasn't running as much Ah. and i was just doing other stuff and a lot of my friends weren't running as much, and and yeah, and so like the beginnings of run, I would just be like, "Oh, I'm about to run," and I think it, <laughs> I lost the uh, I don't know, I lost the beauty a little bit towards the end. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think there's two things there. I think like one, if you're sometimes an activity definitely isn't as fun when you feel like you're declining at the activity and you're not improving. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, that's how I felt when I was playing baseball in college is like, I mean, I was doing fine, uh, like getting decent playing time, but like, I just wasn't, I, I was honestly felt like I was worse than I was in high school. So I was just like, this isn't fun. But then also like in, in regard to running, I feel like it gets a, people have a big misconception of it in terms of the public. Cause there's a big difference between like running when you're in good shape and running when you're like not in good shape. And it's just like, they're two different things and it's just. Yeah. Once you really get in the routine of it, then it, it becomes really like much more beneficial. Yeah. 
And it's so much more fun too. Like there's such a big difference. Like I feel all the time still, cause like I'll still like not run for a couple of days and be like, Oh, running's really hard. But then after a couple yeah. of days, after like a week of running, it's, to- it feels so much different and so much easier and enjoyable. Yeah. I have, I have trouble staying consistent, honestly. True. True. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't think I'll ever not love running. I, I really do value it. It's been like one of the most important things in my life. Like my whole life changed when I started running in high school. It was incredible. Because I was like a fat kid for a while. Honestly, uh, I ate so much. Like I lost like so much weight in between my freshman year of high school and sophomore year of high school. I was like... And it wasn't even due to running. I mean, over the summer, I was like, I got a, I, uh, something snapped in me. I think a lot of it had to do with like watching Chris Pratt, like get really thin for a movie. Oh, I was yeah. like, whoa, this is incredible. So I got really inspired and looked up like workouts and started like just doing regular, just simple workout stuff and lost a lot of weight that way. And then I went into school, fre- uh, fall school and i was like asked the cross because my school was really small and our sports weren't that serious i was like kind of just run with the team just for fun just to you know be in shape and then pretty soon i you know became part of the team and was like the number two runner by the end of that season oh, and it was like totally changed everything for me like i had nowhere near that kind of confidence ever before like as an athlete and i lost like so much weight it was just like Maybe that was my peak. Honestly, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" It's kind of funny that Chris Pratt was the spark. No, yeah, he's a big inspiration for, uh, yeah, the the getting in shape. Man, Parson Direct, Chris Pratt. I love that guy too. Actually, my yeah. freshman year of high school, I didn't take like academics very seriously i didn't have like any aspirations to like learn i didn't have much value like i kind of wish i had more i don't know what that's about like my parents are both teachers but i don't think i had a lot of value in like learning i think it was because i went to a like a different i went to gilman in baltimore which was like a very difficult prep school and i always had trouble there and i just didn't like it was just miserable kind of so my freshman year at this different high school i went to that was for like learning disability abilities and stuff i was just like okay i'll be blissfully ignorant like chris platt's <laughs> character in parks and rec i was like that guy's having a great time i'll be like this guy you know and i guess that Damn. changed i i started like you know valuing it more as i had like different teachers that you know taught me stuff and inspired me and i had some good teachers that i liked so that was that was lucky so you're just kind of living your life based on what Chris Pratt does. Yeah, well, I, I was. Yeah, I was. And now, now I'm not as big of a fan of him as I used to be. Now he's, like, too big of a star. It's like, yeah. forget it. No, he's still – I like him, but, like, you know. And uh, well, what else was I – we were talking about running. And uh, I had another question or topic. Frick. I don't know. Ugh. So, uh, actually, about the uh, the create when we were talking about like the creative process of like you know perfection versus like the fluid creative process, right? That was that actually made me think a lot about the effects 
of like smoking weed and like having i feel like smoking weed for me gives me a whole nother kind of confidence in my thoughts and i don't you haven't ever smoked weed have you that's correct i, I think i was gonna try it this spring i was gonna tr- try a bunch of stuff this spring right and actually never came about. yeah someone told me that you were gonna go you're gonna go all out and make up for all the stuff you didn't do throughout college <laughs> right yeah well my plan was become a yes man and then i would have to say yes to every <laughs> experience in the spring because yeah. I, I did really kind of just not do anything for the first for the rest of college so it's a little sad but you know you learn there's a lesson there in in not saying yes or if you were to become a yes man well no the lesson just being like you know i waited i kept waiting and waiting to like try to enjoy my college experience Mm -hmm. just thinking like i'll do it you know senior year and then it never comes about you were thinking that the whole time that you'd well, actually, the first few years, I mean, the first year I was just super depressed. The next year I was, like, less depressed, but, like, still just, like, kind of busy. And then, like, by junior year, you start to realize, like, oh, like, this is kind of, like, coming to an end. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, but, like, senior year, for example, I stacked my courses so that I was, like, taking more credits than normal in the fall so I could chill in the spring. Then I had, like, comps at the beginning of the spring semester, and I was trying to, like, finish these songs. So I kept kind of saying, all right, like I'll enjoy my college experience like later. And then I finally said, okay, when I get back for spring break and then obviously we never came back. And so it's just the basic life lesson of not trying to don't put it off too long. Yeah. Just trying to enjoy the moment. Basic life lesson. So through like all of college, you didn't drink or smoke. Were you ever tempted to? Not really. I mean, Freshman year, I was like, I was just like, didn't have any friends. Like that was the primary concern. But were you on the baseball um, team freshman year? I was, but it wasn't. That's like a spring sport. Oh just yeah. Had like a couple practices in the fall. So it wasn't really until about spring break when I went to Florida with the team that I like finally like would say I had friends. Oh. So like the first three cool. quarters of that year were pretty lonely. Yo, Florida, um, awesome. <laughs> uh, but was I tempted? Not like a lot to be honest but like i still feel like it was i still by the end i was like you know what i should still like have like at least some semblance of a college experience yeah um but never never came about but anyways getting back to your point you were talking about how uh uh smoking weed kind of gets you in a better creative zone yeah, I don't even know about better. I don't know. That's I feel bad about saying that because it's like then you sound like kind of dependent on it to be right. the right amount of creative, but it certainly is something else, you know, and I feel like it does make it easier to become a little more unfiltered and things take on a whole nother meaning cuz I don't know what it is. I don't know. I've been smoking weed since like consistently, I guess since well, never consistently. It's been all over the place. But I started really liking it my senior year of high school. I did it a little bit before, and I was like, that's cool. But I still had – because growing up, I had this terrible stigma against it. I thought it was the worst thing ever. And the friends I found out who smoked weed, I was like, I can't believe you do drugs. But uh, <laughs> that changed, and that's cool how that changes. That's like another thing about being young and, uh, you know, like – 
things are just, you know, you can change your thinking about it. You know, you, you differ from your parents in a certain way and you start thinking for yourself. And I'm at the point now where like, I am a big fan of weed. Honestly, I was like, I I might just be a pothead for life, but, uh, um, yeah, no, when I started smoking it like every weekend, pretty much, not like every day. There's some people who smoke it since like freshman year of college every day. You know, they go into school high. I was just like, that's crazy. But also another part of me is like, ooh, I want to try that. But not, you know, not really. But um, it, it was definitely like the most exciting part of high school for me, I think, was getting to go out with some friends and find somewhere and just smoke some weed. And like, it was just so funny. Everything got really funny. And everything we said was, I don't know, it's, it, it was weird. It was just weird how, like, different everything could be. Because it, it felt like, uh, I don't know, it's hard to remember exactly what it felt. It, but it felt cool, too. There was definitely an aspect of feeling cool. I never drank in high school, either. So I never really knew what it was like to be drunk. But I, I came to college started drinking at the parties and stuff that was also a whole nother kind of cool because that's just i don't know that's a whole nother did you ever drink or get drink at parties or anything Nah, i never did another another thing i was i think i was waiting to do yeah that's that's interesting because like that's definitely where you and i would differ because i felt like almost the pressure to like go to college and do all this stuff because you hear people say uh Oh, college was the best time of my life. And that's yeah. always like, why would you say that? Like if you're a grown person, unless like you don't have a family and you're like, alone and miserable. And then, yeah, sure. It was the best time of your life. But if you have like a family and you're like, it's the best time of my life, that's not very nice to your family. Yeah. But, and that, and that I, makes me like a high schooler going into college, like better get ready. This is going to be the best time of my life. Yeah. And, uh, it really it was fun though, you know, going to parties and drinking because like it was a whole new kind of like openness, kind of you know, and excitement that I was like I was digging that for a while. Yeah, I do I have to say I, I do enjoy being around certain drunk people because like some people just turn into a whole different person. No. Um, yeah, but I think people tend to romanticize the college experience a lot. Yeah. Um, like I, like I, because I found myself getting really nostalgic about it in the past couple months, and part of that is for good reason. But like when I think about like in detail of like actually like each year or each semester, like I'd say I was unhappy for more of it than I was happy for, because it's like you know you have to make new friends, and then then also just like the kind of burden of like work and like the stress that comes from it, kind of always being on the back of your mind the whole time. It's like. I don't know. I, I think adults tend to romanticize the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like when you get older, it's easy to look back on your youth though. Any part of your youth too. And right. Like things probably feel different. And that's like a good reason to appreciate it now though. I mean, yeah. at the end of it, it's just like, you know, I, I guess it is useful to go into it and be like, I better appreciate this in the moments. But also going into college was, I don't know about you, but it was like the most exciting thing ever for me. It was just like, interesting. I was just, you know, uh, but it also felt like the end of everything too. Cause like life as yeah. I know it is changing. 
and yeah, it's so weird. Mm. And I was I was like pretty terrified going into college, and not super. I was like just really anxious about the social scene, and then yeah. it like didn't click right away, and then the anxiety like grew, oh, yeah. and like it's like kind of like a snowball effect. And then so like I became even more like socially awkward and yeah, it just got as bad for a while. But that's like I couldn't imagine not being. I mean, not doing cross country, you know, because I feel like yeah. that saved because it's right away. You're up there early before everyone else. Yeah, and they're really nice guys, and they welcome you yeah. into it, and it's it's just a lot of fun from the beginning. I think it was that's definitely that was lucky. Yeah, I, I observed that, especially like comparing the baseball team and the cross-country team. And, like, the cross-country team just did such a good job, I think, of, like, welcoming in the freshmen and making that transition, like, easy for them. Um, and so, yeah, would have been nice to have had that as a freshman. But, you know, it was a, ultimately, like, a pretty important experience in my life. So, I don't yeah. know. You can't really re- regret it. Can't really regret the past. I mean, like that's yeah. not, that's not gonna do you any good. Yeah, that, I mean, you can only regret the past if you regret who you are now. If you're, if you like, you know, you like how you are now, then you have to attribute that to the past experiences. Yeah, so. exactly. Like, yeah. Sometimes I think, yeah, no. Like I, I do wish a lot of the times. Well, not like recently, but when I was thinking about it and in high school, even I was in such a small high school. I felt like it was really lame. There weren't a lot of people there. I didn't have a lot of friends and I didn't do stuff outside of school, like hang out with people. I would regret that and like, wish I like could go to high school parties or something. I was like definitely romanticizing that idea in my head. Then going to college and meeting all these people come from huge high schools and it's like, damn, sounds like your high school experience was really fun. And so I'd kind of get regret. I'd regret like not going to like a normal high school. Not, I mean, like, I don't know. Yeah, normal high school. Because mine was definitely not normal. And I guess, you know, Mercersburg doesn't seem that normal either, actually. I mean, yeah, I got, well, I But you went to like a bunch, of, yeah. Yeah, I went to like a big public school, then I went to like this kind of strict Catholic school that had like, it was, it was kind of like old school in a way, like traditional high school, like really intense sports, like super like, it's almost like, you know, when you watch like an old movie about high school from like the seventies or eighties yeah, and like the football players are popular <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. That's what like the Catholic school felt like. And I, I absolutely hated that school. Uh, yeah. Um, and then Mercersburg was, yeah, like going to like the super fancy boarding school. That, I actually enjoyed it there. That was that was a pretty cool year. Yeah, post but yeah. the post grad year is probably an interesting deal, huh? Yeah. You, like you made any friends you still talk to from your post grad year? I got. It's funny. I have one friend, dude named Eugene. Kind of weird guy. It's good. The name. only way I describe Eugene is that he is just like his his name matches him perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, nah, I he's a weird guy, but really super nice guy. And I, I think we're friends just because he like kind of kept calling me, and we just kind of stayed in touch. But no, nah, I met like a lot of good people there. But like, I guess I maybe still text a little more of them. But yeah, I was only there for a year, so but it was kind of cool because like you're you're like kind of done with like the serious part of college, 
and like I got to play sports and I was like pretty good. I mean, because you're kind of like older than everybody, so. Oh yeah. It was kind of nice. Seems like at Mercy, you have to be good at sports. Like all the post grads seem like they're like there for the sports. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, I was at the time I was super serious about baseball and like really intent on playing in college. Um, and so I like took it really seriously back then. Mm-hmm. Our team was really good. And yeah, but then once I got to college, I was like, all right, I accomplished the goal of playing in college, and I pretty quickly lost interest in baseball. Yeah. Even though it was like my whole life before that. It's kind of crazy. That is crazy, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of like, that was, I feel like getting into Kenyon was like the big goal in my high school life. Like, I always wanted to get into Kenyon. Then when I got in, it was like awesome. And then it's like, what's the next goal, you know? Right. Wait, Kenyon was like your dream school? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Why is that? My English teacher in high school went to Kenyon and, uh, a history teacher too. They were both friends at Kenyon actually, but I was really close with the English teacher and you know, he's just my favorite teacher in high school and talked very fondly, spoke very fondly of Kenyon and I wanted to go there. I was just like, this seems like the place to go. I also went there after the summer after junior year for the young writers program and really enjoyed uh-huh. that. And so I was like, I, I want to come here. It's like Kenyon or bust. I do not know where I would go if I didn't get into Kenyon. Interesting. That, that's actually pretty cool. Because I, for me, it was the exact opposite. Like I, I don't know. I was, at the time, again, I was super serious about baseball. It's like the idea of like playing D3 at like a small school that wasn't yeah. even like a great Division three school. Like I almost felt like I was like, well, I wasn't good enough to go D1. And then. I also was kind of just forced, like a liberal arts by my parents. Like it wasn't, didn't it felt like something they wanted, not something I wanted. Oh yeah. So like Kenny was just like I was like, I was not really excited at all, and I just chose it out of like because I was tired of the college search, and I was just yeah. like, all right, screw it, I'll apply here. Did you do that with. at the end of post grad year, or did you have to do that your senior year? And no, then... I did it. I did it post grad year. Okay. I did early decision, but it wasn't like I didn't do early decision because I was so set on Kenny. I did early decision because like. The baseball coach was like, all right, you probably have a roster spot. Then I was like, all right, I don't really care about any other school. Like, I'll get this huh. college admission search over with because I got so sick of hearing from my parents about it. So how did um, you find Kenyon in the first place then? Because my dad, he's all crazy about liberal arts schools. Yeah. And like, my dad was, like, was oh, too. That's, that's funny. Like, I <laughs> from the very beginning, I knew I was like, but I agreed with I was like, yes, yeah, liberal arts sounds good. Like, I don't need to go to a big whatever you know so are you happy you wound up as a at, at a liberal arts like Kenyon? oh yeah like now looking back it's, it's all good but like at the time i just wasn't also my, my i don't know my dad was just so like really just drilled it into us um and now like my little brother's going to university of miami in florida just about to oh, be infinitely man. cooler than me is um, he though florida <laughs> but he had to like pester my parents for a while like i'm shocked he actually figured out that because my parents were just relentlessly pushing liberal arts education but um yeah so i just got so sick of hearing it so i just applied an early decision then it was also just because i was felt like i was getting offers to play like at a state school for baseball so i just kind of had to settle Mm. yeah i am uh, something i'm curious about is like what it would be like at a huge state school though I mean, not yeah. dire curious, but I'm like, yeah, what would that be like? I feel like it'd be, I'd be scared 
a lot like it'd be way too big but like it it's definitely sure. a different scene i feel like a different almost like a more i don't know even more freedom because a kenyan like it's so small there's like not a lot of places to go if you go to somewhere in the city you know you have the whole city you know that'd be yeah. totally different yeah that's true it would be way different but i don't feel like I don't, I don't care about missing out on stuff like because i'm just not a big party person so like it's never really bothered me yeah also i just like seeing the same people like i don't some people like i can't stand seeing the same people all the time like i, I don't like strangers like yeah. i'm not trying to see a bunch of strangers yeah no i like like who wants to like mark Marin has a thing where he's like you only need two friends one guy <laughs> and then another guy after you drain the first guy the backup guy. No, but I'm not, I don't agree with that. I mean, like, more than two friends is okay, but, like, how many friends do you have before, you, like, you know, you don't have any close friends? You know? like, I, 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 I value – I don't even know. Like, I can't even identify what a close friend of mine is, really. But, like, I really value the idea of having a close friend. You know, I would like to, you know, have that. But, like, I don't even know. Like – I'm still kind of a loner for the most part, you know? Yeah. I think that's that's one of the problems with with kind of our our world is just that we have – I always say that we have too many – or we have an abundance of uh, acquaintances and a shortage of friends just because yeah. we're, we're constantly around a bunch of other people. But, you know, you, there's actually not that many people that you really, really trust. Uh, but – and there's evidence to I've seen evidence to back that up that like um, the percentage of people who like have multiple close friends has like decreased over the years, uh, like declining social capital, or whatever. There's mm. been some studies on that. Oh really? Definitely not doing definitely not doing good stuff for our mental health. Damn. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. It's also another reason I think that crossed my mind in creating this podcast kind of deal. It's like, this is a good way to, you know, reconnect with people and, right. yeah. know, you know, just like, cause like, no, I, that's why I like about this is like, you don't have conversations like this exactly, you know, or I haven't at least, this is just me practicing talking again after being silent for <laughs> a whole year. Yo, that's, that's true. Like I'm always, I'm kind of wondering how things are going to be after quarantine. Like. If we're just going to be like collectively awkward for like a month or so. That sounds good like, to me. Like <laughs> we'll need like a, like a spring training or like a, an exhibition to like get back into normal social interaction. Yeah. I, I know that? I'm going to struggle for sure. Like once yeah. I actually have to like leave the house again and like interact with people. What is normal? So I never know what's no like, it's so, I don't know what's normal. I don't know. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, f I feel like I'm know, always, like, it's always yeah, yeah. I know it's like, but it always feels like which what what is the facade and what is me and what is you know I don't know. I guess yeah. it just all depends on how you feel in the moment by moment. You know, if you're just like enjoying, you know, talking to people or not. You know. Yeah, I just feel like you know when I was at school and you're like kind of in the rhythm of things, you eventually like get pretty comfortable like i remember i get oh, comfortable yeah, like yeah. going to the dining hall and like seeing people on campus but then like yeah. 
I remember it was, it was really hard actually was the beginning of this academic year after being here all summer, kind of like alone, mm-hmm. which is when like everybody started pouring back on campus. Like I remember I just got like oh, yeah. really like socially overwhelmed. And I was like, my, I had like a kind of brief like social anxiety flare up at the beginning of this year. Um, but then, you know, eventually got over it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely like the idea of talking to people more than not talking to people. But that's also just like right now, after not talking to people forever. Yeah. I I guess, yeah, I imagine it must have been pretty hard being in Mercersburg all year kind of with just your family oh yeah it's definitely just like high school all over no not like because i'm not living where i live for high school but it's definitely like what happened i feel like i've regressed totally but i I do have a job that's kind of nice and it's like yeah i just wished i'd traveled a little more maybe but also i don't i don't want to say that i was like there's a lot of cool stuff that i don't I don't know. I have a tough time. Like, am I giving myself enough credit or not? Was I being lazy? Like all of it's true. Like I was definitely lazy, but also like the whole point of taking the gap year was to kind of relax a little bit and explore what I was going to, you know, feel uh, inclined to do. And I think a lot of cool things came out of that. Like I got to, you know, learn the guitar, which is like, I knew a little bit before, but now it's like, I never thought I'd like play the guitar like I do now. It's a lot of fun. And I look right. forward to going back to school and like maybe taking lessons and playing with people, you know? Yeah. That's actually I take lessons. Those are always fun. Yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. Ben Stillians and I are like, we're gonna start a band. He's got the keyboards. We're like <laughs> hopefully something cool come out of this. Well, yeah. Ben Stillian spent the entirety of last summer learning one song on the keyboard so which was that what song is that what was it uh man i don't remember the name i just know if i ever hear that song again <laughs> uh, i'm gonna be pissed off uh, <laughs> uh, excuse me burp uh but um yeah i also just like i honestly smoked quite a bit of weed too just by myself this year which was kind of weird but also, like, I don't know, where's the where's the line between, like, I don't know. I had a lot of anxiety about, like, is am I, is this, this is bad for me, you know, I'm going to get addicted. But then there were, like, certain month-long periods where I wouldn't smoke weed. And, like, right now, actually, I just haven't smoked weed in, like, two days. That's not that big a deal. But it's kind of a big deal for me recently because it's, like, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's honestly just like when I w- was smoking weed this year, I think like it was fun. Cause that's when I would like often write a lot of the things that I like to write, or I'd like play the guitar. I'd learn a song high and it'd be like, I don't know. It kind of motivated me to do something. Cause somehow it just makes it feel, I don't know. I feel weird promoting weed to someone who's like never, <laughs> never <laughs> done no, but like, and I, I've I, it's, I've come to a place where it's like I'm overcoming my like 
what's the word? It's maybe paranoia. I don't know. But like, I'm less paranoid than ever on weed, which is strange. A little that strange. Is, yeah. Nah, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Um, eventually, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. If you ever want to try it, let me know. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do something fun. Maybe we can play some gotcha. music. I'll just say we'll say our goodbyes then right here and i'll stop recording so thanks for coming on will don't know how to end these things really yet but uh, been fun. Of, co- of course it was an honor to be the second guest of the show yeah number two and you know i can understand why you put ben stillians first you know what? he's ben stillians he's <laughs> just like the social glue of the cross country team like you have to have him on there first yeah he was just the guy i like first like when i was thinking about it i just like asked him like when i was just like you know just brainstorming just like hey what what do you think of this yeah yeah no he's he's the man um (laughs) um yeah no this is this is a good talk for sure definitely definitely needed this cool if you ever need to come if or want to come back like recurring like how many people are gonna even come on this we should do it again oh for sure for sure i, w- I would definitely be down cool all right Patrick. thank you man i appreciate it i appreciate it too have a good uh good evening you as well man peace out peace